episode 18 of Doc Fermento Discovers the World. This time we're discovering the world of Heather Haviland, chef owner of Lucky's Cafe in the Tremont neighborhood of Cleveland, Ohio. And this is a long, rambling, wild conversation. So I can only hope that you'll be able to, you know, get something out of this. Um, The focus was on local food. Uh, Heather does a fantastic job at her restaurant of sourcing local produce. And we talk about the food industry, fermentation, baking, all sorts of things. So this is definitely a non-paleo episode. That might be refreshing for some of you. And it's a bit um, ethereal, spiritual from Heather's angle. And um, it's a little bit about her journey and where she's been, what she's done, all that. So I wanted to share the whole thing. It's two hours long, and I'm going to leave it as is. And, you know, I think it's the fairest approach. Just put the whole conversation out there and see what you all think. I hope you love it. Uh, Hit me up in the comments section and, and let me know. And I thank you for listening to episode 18 of Doc Fermento Discovers the World with Heather Haviland. What do you, oh, are you vegan? No. Are you, uh, fat. I just eat. Uh, uh, just kidding. I'm not hungry. Uh, I'm not hungry. Um, <laughs> in this spot? Beth, did you hear what he said? Are you laughing inside? <laughs> Have you not eaten here? No, I don't eat in restaurants. Okay, we'll get into that later. Right. Um, but, uh, uh, Matt just made... <laughs> Um, something for a special we're doing tomorrow. These agrat potatoes that have local feta in them, and I just had a bite, and my palate is so coated with amazing amounts of fat. Yeah. Um, and he's fixing them, so j- you can think about it, and then say, you know what, that does sound really good. He has to heat one up just to test that, it. That's okay. Hmm. No starchy tubers for me today. Wow. Day. Okay. Okay. I'm like a Jewish mother. I mean, it's, it, it hurts me when people can't, can't feed you. <laughs> Sorry. Right. I'll fine. be sitting here in pain, but if that's of no consequence <laughs> to you. No, he doesn't. He, he said fatty, and I, I still have nothing to appeal to his senses. I will be in pain, but if that means nothing to you, I, I, that's all right. Fat would, you know. Hmm. Um, it's okay. It's okay. I, I, you know, for me, it's hot. chunks of butter, coconut oil. Again, very tallow. much what we serve here, but yeah, okay. All right, but I mean, if, again, if... It means nothing to you that I have pain. That's fine. That's fine. I'll sit Maybe over here. Maybe something will pop up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay right I now. I won't wait with bated breath. Okay. All right. Got it. Heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk to me. What are we talking about? I don't know. Okay. Local food. Sure. And what does that mean? And Maurice sent me after you. Okay. <laughs> you were first on my list. I've got yeah. a short list of people, and you were first. He said, oh, you got to go talk to Heather. That's awesome. Okay, so it's kind of a new discovery for me. Got it. Um, I'm from Cleveland, you know, and, well, not really, Vermilion. Wait. It counts. Out there. But yeah. anyways. Farm country. And then we, I spent 
I don't know, about 12 or 15 years in California. Where? Um, San Diego, San Jose, just south of San Francisco. <sighs> and just um, recently kind of, well, I've been back here about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And just kind of re- recently discovered local the whole local food idea. Yeah. So. What age were you when you left Cleveland? Early 20s. Yeah. Right? Yeah, mid-20s, mm-hmm. I guess. And how long total were you gone? I don't know. I don't even know the dates anymore. Yeah. From 98 to 2010. Okay, so yeah. 12 years, I yeah. guess. Yeah. You developed as a person. I guess. Yeah. I didn't really develop much, but I developed <laughs> <laughs> No. No, that is similar. I mean, I, you know, I left town and I was this person. Yeah. And then, you know, I traveled all over the country and... Um, and when I came back, I honestly had myself convinced that what I had come accustomed to and what I loved about cooking and living and life and community, I didn't, I mean, my family's here, and I know that's the, enough of a backbone that I can settle for whatever, yeah. but I honestly thought I would have a hard time finding what I've grown to love as yeah. my life, you know, and I would have to compromise and, and you know, adjust, and, yeah. uh, but... It's just, it was just that I didn't know that that, I didn't, that wasn't really my life, so I had to like... So where did you go? Um, where didn't I go? I mean, I grew <laughs> up, you know, where did I not go? Um, boy, I lived outside Washington, D.C., I lived in Chicago, I lived in Seattle, I lived in Woodstock, New York, um... Starting in Seattle, I lived there like I was going to live there, like a crazy person. Everywhere that I moved to, I would relocate all of my belongings, yeah. and I collected um, antiques, you know? So it's like, that's not easy mm-hmm. or cheap. Did you move them around with you? Yeah. Oh, well, wow. and I would, at first, I would work, I live like a vagabond, because I would come into a town. I read, a lot of times, I would read about a chef, and I'd be like, um, I could never afford to put myself through school, and um, I helped... I'm one of the older children in my family, um, born to a mom who's a hippie and a dad who's Mr. Crispy White Boy, but went through some, you know, mental challenges where he couldn't work all the time. And, um, and you know, so my income at an early age was helping my family, my yeah. siblings. And so, you know, when at first I wanted nothing to do with food because my mom had a catering company and at the age of 11, yeah. I was one of her Working kitchen staff. Oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. And, um, and so I just knew that was the only thing I didn't want to do. Um, but everywhere I would relocate to a city before I knew that that's what I wanted to do, um, it was the easiest way to get work because it's like I've been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and over time, I think it was in Seattle when I worked for Bread Alone Bakery when I realized... Like, I went to college for, um, started in political science, and then realized that what I thought political science was was kind of a West Wing effect, you know, and realized that it isn't that, and so then I changed my major to Anatomy of Peaceful Change, um, and what I, I thought I loved about that study, you very much can be a part of in serving food and participating in the food world mm-hmm. by creating community and, um, and bridging the connection between the farmer's plate and a consumer. Yeah. And um, as a chef, it's my job to uh, reignite people with food the way it should be and, um, and have create moments for them. Yeah. You know, and uh, stop the crazy, just focus on It's got to be a lot more work, though, right? Huge. To, Huge. to 
source huge instead of just having a truck pull up with everything huge. in the world in it huge yeah um you know when i was in seattle it was all about rustic bread baking and and in my head here you know we have fucking orlando and not saying the word out loud, yeah, but yeah. you know, but it's very much mass production, yeah. um, not attention to detail, and there's way to manipulate the natural process of baking bread. You know, zymergy and fermentation is the beautiful science, but um, loving effect of cohabitating with the natural progression of fermentation, um, which is affected by everything, environment, temperature, you know, what the person does, the ingredients, their effect on it, their love for it. Um, You know, I say to people, your intentions are almost as important when you cook as your ingredients, Uh you know. Um, And so I I, I learned that there was that and it existed in Seattle. Like that exists in Seattle with bread and I fell in love with it and realized that I want to produce food, and, and you can create those moments and build community by mm-hmm. providing people an environment where they can just slow down and appreciate. And when people are happy and nourished by great food mm-hmm. that's filled with great intentions and love, they are somehow more open to experiencing that guy. Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And and and, um, and that's what I originally thought. I think I thought politics were. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Far from that, right? Yeah, that's yeah. like love is what it is in the movie. It's like new, 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 new. You're right. Yeah, that's not that's not the case. But um, yeah. So what brought you back? What was the impetus to bring you back? I, we, I failed out there. Okay. And I had a business collapse. What was the business? A construction. I was actually a contractor. Um, there's many reasons. The economy only being one half that ninety percent was me actually. Okay, give it yeah. But, um, so we have three we had three kids out there. Okay. And it was very expensive. And I was self employed and one slip up and then this compounding thing came and the next thing I know we had no vehicles. Oh, and it was yeah. just me, my wife, the three kids, and we were walking to the grocery store and yeah. then one month no rent, two months yeah. no rent, the guy calls me and I'm like, look I gotta go. I'm right. sorry. I'm not gonna catch up. I right. gotta get out. Yeah. He's like, you're right. You do. Cut strings. Yeah. You know, in in under five years we lived there in that spot we were in where yeah. we raised our children. Yeah. We had spent over a hundred thousand dollars in rent. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. That was Santa Rosa. That was in uh, San Mateo. So we're a little bit okay. about 15 miles south of San Francisco. Yeah. And yeah, so a hundred thousand dollars gone of just. Right. right, plus like, all the rest of it, and nothing that you're ever going to see again. And when we left, like, you know, we just had some crap, and we, it was crazy. I sent the wife to San Diego with the kids, where her mom's down there. Okay, I was going to say, yeah, like, yeah. And then um, I tried to keep things together, and it, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't get it back together again. And then she flew to Cleveland, and then me and my, at the time, four-year-old son drove our truck. Who's in Cleveland? Your family? Yeah, both of ours. Okay. Her mom just her mom moved to San Diego, and she has some sis, her sis, aunts are out there too. But uh, all of our family's here. There you go. Yeah. Yep. So that and you was knew the reason they, they come back. You. Yeah, absolutely. So. Was it a culture shock when you came back? Mm-mm. There was, it seemed the same to me. Yeah. I mean. Did you go Except, back to Vermilion? No. Okay, yeah. No, that place is gone. That's just check cashing say, stores. It's like, uh, that's the place is sad. It kills me. If you have a little money, though, it's still they can still have the river and the boats, and you can 
hide away in that little niche, but the city oh itself yeah. is... I went back, like, through where I grew up, and it's... Oh. It's depressing. Yeah. It's well, depressing. It was only propped up by industry. Yeah. So, is that natural for that industry to even have ever been there? Right. So, is it sad or not? It, it was. It was a fabrication to begin with. Ford. It's oh, right there in Lorraine. Yeah. And it was the at the time it was the largest Ford plant in the world when Are they you built kidding it. Me? Yeah. So it was substantial. That's crazy. And then, so the, that was the whole town, and all the school. Yeah. The school was funded by the taxes sure. from Ford. For sure. And then when they left, uh, everything just went. Well, and is Vermilion the one that has the nuclear stacks? No, it's further east. But on the water. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. shocked. I was that's shocked. Like, uh, yes. Forgot the name of the city. That's further, almost Toledo. Okay. Out that way. We rented a Harry. house out there. Uh, we researched. My mom is a big. Uh, we used to go to Cape Cod growing up um, because she had a friend, and being poor, a friend knew that we needed to get out, and you know it was like any time together, and she would let us take a week of the rental house on Cape Cod, where it's like, cool. you know, I mean, it was beautiful, yeah. but it's like everyone around us came and they had money and all that. Sure, stuff. sure. My mom was a magician and not ever <laughs> making us feel like we didn't have money. Yeah. And. Um, and it was just like these blessed years of being there one week every summer where we lived a different life. And and um, we, my mom has all summers, and, and uh, we were trying to recreate that for her here for one of her birthdays. And we researched houses, and it's like we wanted something on the water and all this stuff. And we got all our money together and rented it for like four days or five days or something. Uh-huh. And we got there, and it's beautiful, but it was this, it was hilarious because, you know, right down within like three miles, which they never say on the rental thing, uh-huh. that there's nuclear bombs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. And yeah. it's like, so we get there, it's like, well, there won't be any going in the water, um, <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of funny because it's like, oh, man, all right. Well. Uh, you can just live with it. It's good. You're fine. Yeah. If it's fine, it's fine. And if it's not, there's the problem's so big, yeah. you want to throw about it for long. If it's yeah. <laughs> It's kind of yeah. like defusing a bomb. Yeah, okay, right. When you defuse a bomb, right. that's your job. Yeah. It's the easiest job in the world because right. you do it. Success ratio right. or the end of it, and you don't have to and deal with it. You never shit. have to suffer. You're right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You don't have to hear, like, I, what were you thinking? <laughs> you're absolutely right. And if you solved it, you're the hero. Yeah, yeah. And if yeah. not, you don't have to worry. You don't... I like it. I, you know what? I, I was a, I, uh, le- the only time I left cooking once for to become a potter. And wants to uh, be a blacksmith, a coal forge blacksmith. Wow. I met a man, and he, a coal forge blacksmithing is a dying art. You know, anymore imagine, they, yeah. they melt the, they cook, they essentially cook metal. Okay. You can essentially take the dimensions of any metal and put it into what I call an oven, mm-hmm. and set what is heating it, how long it should be heated, mm-hmm. and you don't have to like how I learned from this man, and I knew when I met him. You know, in, up in the woods in Woodstock, you know, yeah. and and uh, and for three weeks, I think he said, if you're serious about working with me, because he'd never worked with anybody before, um, you're gonna haul and reset up the forge. It was kind of like a, a karate kid thing, where it's like, yeah, dumpster right. dive at the mm-hmm. steel plant, where it's like literally, I would I would cut myself seriously. Mm-hmm every day because you get yeah. into the dumpster and you're pulling what you think is usable pieces of metal uh-huh. and you're not stealing because it is for people but every day jumping in to metal shards and being yeah, like wow. oh harvesting this but for like three weeks or a month I did that and when I would get back he would have told me where I, he wanted me to relay cut the forge and that's 
a log the size of this and the coal pile and the forge, which was a Jimmy thing, but you can't set up differently. And, I, uh, you know, so he wanted to see that, you know, for that much time I could appreciate and I would commit it to it mm -hmm. because you would get splinters the size of a house. You would get, you know, you cut yourself. Mm -hmm. You were inevitably picking up hot shit. So you, right. I'd like burnt both hands, my, you know, both my yeah. hands and, um, but after I got through that time, you know, it's like he handed me my first hammer and said, it was time to bang metal. And I'm like, oh. That's pretty cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what an experience. It was amazing. Huh. It was amazing. So, yeah, I was able to walk away from my restaurant because we had enough, you know, I, I trained my staff well enough that I had constant contact, but I also could create this other relationship with raw, something raw, mm -hmm. and turn it beautiful, which is, I think, what appealed to me about um, pottery and cooking. You know, you, a farmer, I mean... Our hot sauce here was developed because uh, farm, the word gets out that I have a soft spot for farmers and I will not let them die if I have anything to do with it. Um, and one of those farmers that I had just met showed up after a farmer's market and I think there were eight bushels of hot peppers. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, Yeah, what are you going to do with what the How can you possibly do it now? Right, and I'm like, and I could tell that it was desperate. It was right. like he has four kids, he lives on a farm that, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, of course we could use those. <laughs> you know, and my kitchen's looking at me like, really, right, dude? Right. But that was the birth of our hot sauce, which we sell gallons a week. Huh. You know, we serve it as a condiment on the table. Uh -huh. And um, people freak out about it. It's one of those things that when I'm out in the public, um, people normally mention three things. Their incredible love for biscuits and gravy, the mac and cheese, and do you carry bottles of hot sauce in your purse? <laughs> Interesting. So yeah. how, what is the, how is that process made? Well, the nice thing about the hot sauce, and it's like, you know, I don't have somebody else make the hot sauce until they have uh, worked with me on the process a number of times, mm -hmm. because we... You know, we want to showcase the, the, the bounty of our harvest. And we want to, if a farmer comes from, I, you know, I go to farmer's markets to purchase produce, but I, I only buy from farmers who understand that please don't care who I am. I want to pay, if you're saying that this quart of strawberries is $6, right. if me as a bar business owner can't figure out how to showcase strawberries uh -huh. and not put myself in harm's way and buy them, I will buy them from you at 8 in the morning. If I'm coming at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and you're about to take those strawberries back to the farm yeah. and potentially put them into a dumpster or right. compost, compost or right. whatever, tell me what is a fair price uh -huh. that I don't want to insult the work that it took to do it. Right. Um, but let me buy them so that you don't take them back. Okay. And then it's my job as a chef to inspire my staff to say, we have all these beautiful strawberries mm -hmm. that the bulk ingredients come into my kitchen with no warning. So to be somebody who works for me in the kitchen, they cannot be that classically trained chef yeah. who, you know, has a, a bazillion list and it's like today was this. Right. In growing season, that list is going to change every day. Yeah. Uh, because farmers know that I will help them. Yeah. And farmers know that within limits, I can't pay market price if it's a product that you are left over with mm -hmm. because the market has not been created yet and you took a chance and, and grew 12 bushels of bok choy, yeah. which is like, okay. Yeah. Unless you're competing with agriculture, people can't consider it. Yeah. And, and, and um, 
you know, certain markets that flies, but I mean, you know, in a lot of crispy white markets where they don't quite understand how to add it, mm -hmm. um, you're going to be taking home bushels of bok choy. Yeah. And so for here, then all of a sudden we need to figure out a way to uh, incorporate bok choy mm -hmm. in a comfort food that people it's won't be free by, yeah, you yeah. know? I, it's always been a problem for me just conceptualizing the farmer's market ideal. I know everyone's thrilled that they're back and they're gaining strength, but to me they seem kind of flat and um, they're not a solution. It's a nice step to something yes. better. It's better than going to Giant Eagle, obviously. Yes. Anything is. Yes. Stealing food from your neighbor's backyard is better than going to yes. Giant Eagle. Yeah. But um, I know the farmer's market yeah. just seems so, like you said, the farmer's going to be taking his stuff back home if he doesn't sell it. Right. And he's just standing there. Yeah. Now, a farmer never stands still. Nope. But what does he do when he's at the farmer's market? He just stands there. Yeah. Or he sends someone else to stand there in his yeah. stead yeah. because he's got to work. Right. But So, obviously, <clears throat> that's that's not going to work. It needs to... There's... We have social networking. Right. He should have his list go out in the morning. Right. His 13-year-old kid yeah. should, I don't know, put out a digital list on Twitter or some yeah. communication service that says, yeah. we're overloaded with this. Yeah. Or in three days from now, we think this. Yep. That could hit all the restaurants first. They yep. should get first priority. Yep. Um, or how something has to change. The farmer's market just seems so, oh, they're so cute or whatever, but... You know, I, I, no, you're right. I use the you're same not, analogy you're constantly. Right. You're right. I use the same analogy constantly. Forty-year-old white women yeah. in yoga pants, yeah. drive a Lexus, yeah. Land Ro or Land Rover, uh -huh. and I don't care about them because they they're going to be fine. Little bag that they put their farmers market and they like the carrots in. because they have the green sprouts on the top, and yeah. they have no idea why. And yeah, big, yeah, they're not the answer. Right. right? So I don't want to. Okay. Yes. I okay. So I love what you're you're saying. You're going to buy if you're inspired and you have a use for the premium price strawberries at six a.m. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'll take them. And don't give if me I'm a deal. If I'm coming back at yeah. four, and you're going to be taking them home, yep. I could use them tomorrow. Yep. They won't be as good. They're not going to be featured. They'll right. be in something. Yeah. But you have to keep moving you, and moving you, and moving. You have to. I mean, you know, in my in my uh, restaurant in upstate New York, we had. Um, we had the historic restaurant, the Bear Cafe, which, uh, you know, uh, back in, I think it was the 80s, um, there were these two very good friends who grew up in Woodstock, one on a commune, uh, one with artist elite family, because it was an artist colony. And um, they were both busboys. Uh, one person worked in the kitchen, and one person was a busboy at this absolutely beautiful restaurant that was on the property of Albert Grossman. Um, do you know music at all? Albert Grossman was the guy who produced uh, the Mamas and the Papas, okay. and, and you know. And back in the '70s, um, that studio. So on a complex, there's a city called a city. There's a place called Boysville, New York, and Boysville, no, Bearsville, New York. Um, and it's right on a creek. Like, you look like you... It, it's like living in a Hallmark car, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, and me, coming from Chicago, I was like, uh, what the... Oh, no, I, I guess I came from Seattle. Um, it was weird because I'm living in a country, like, country, like, nighttime is dark, you know, really, right. really dark. It's just a culture shock. Um, and I originally went there to work for Bread Alone. Have you ever heard of Bread Alone? No. No. Dan Leader wrote uh, the New York Times bestseller list and included Bread Alone cookbook back in the uh, late 90s, I believe. 
and um, it was one of those bread Bibles that as somebody who loves Zymergy and fermentation and, and studying the history of bread and, and how different cultures approach bread baking because really it's the one staple that is involved in every culture of food. Even Asian food has a staple that is a starch, you know, like rice cake. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, um, when people are hungry, it's what pe- feeds people and it's baked or cooked in many different ways, but we all have a version. Um, and, and it's all rustic. And to a certain extent, the successful bread baker uh, knows that they play a part in the process. They don't, they're not in charge. You're not in charge of yeast and how it's going to respond. You're not in charge of the moisture content in any one grain or flour because it all depends on uh, what was the was the soil moist when it got harvested? Was the, the was the shaft engorged when it was harvested? Mm-hmm. Um, how it is that they go about drying it? At what point was it milled? Once it was milled, how was it stored? Like all those things lead up to. I have a fifty pound bag of whole wheat hard flour, yeah. and I know how it worked in my recipe uh, last delivery, yeah. but this time around. Uh, uh, I don't know what I'm looking at. Right, right. I really don't know what I'm right, looking right. at. And so, and and somebody who can be a little bit of a control freak and have to fight that urge from time to time um, with bread more than any other ingredient and product, I had to understand I am not in charge. <laughs> and I play a part in the process mm-hmm. of creating this beautiful thing. Um, uh, but it, that's a hard one to learn. It's a hard one to yeah, learn yeah. Um, because, you know, you, you start putting in your little control parts during parts of it, and then you see, like, okay, you fucked it up because we weren't patient. Um, but uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Bread. That's all right. Bread. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, I made my first sourdough in San Mateo. Okay. Uh, wild, outside. I actually took it outside and just stirred wild it up. Yeast. And just to see what would happen. Yeah. Um, so I had discovered food fermentation then. I just had I had some serious health problems at the time. Oh, I'm sorry. And just all by myself. Nothing genetic, nothing. Just... By what you consume. Abuse, abuse and... Violence. For everything in every way, yeah. shape, and form. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah. I discovered this book called Wild Fermentation by yeah. Sandor Katz. Yeah. So <clears throat> great book. I just started doing all that stuff yep. and then sourdough and um, kimchi. Yeah, everything. Yeah. So all that all that stuff. Yeah. And so now Maurice calls me Doc Fermenta. Oh really? So that's my new name. That's awesome. So I go by that and a lot line and that's things. That's awesome. But I, I can't stand it because people call me, people <laughs> call me Doc. Yeah. I hate that. Come on. Like, uh, but anyways. It's a level of respect. Yeah. True. You know. Yeah. Whatever more he says, I just say okay. <laughs> yeah. He's a but, yeah, so piper. I, I've yeah. been down that yeah the 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 bread path just a little bit. Uh, yeah, making it out there was more fun because yeah. I just did the wild yeast and. Parsley. Yeah. Um, I just use a cloak. Tiles. Or okay. Just you know, it's like a. Um, or just in a cast iron pan. Yeah, in your regular oven. Yeah, in a regular okay. oven. Um, How was that? Uh, usually too dense. Yeah. Almost always too yeah. dense to even. I was the only one that could ever eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were. But uh, then, um, who was yeah. the best results I ever had? Actually, was incorporating a few ideas from. Um, it's been a while now. Um, Leahy, Jim Leahy, maybe. A village baker? He's a New York. He's a New York baker. Tomcat? Uh, no. Um, something street. 
I could look it up. But anyways, he traveled the world studying baking, yeah. traditional methods, and went back to his place in New York, kind of perfected his little method. Yeah. And I just kind of mixed some of the wild fermentation techniques with a little bit of his commercial yeast techniques yes. and yes. tried to get a balance there. But I quit eating that stuff about a year, Why? A year ago. Um, just to Digestion? get off carbs, I totally went. Uh, I don't eat grains anymore at all. No, no grains. I haven't for over a year. Because the effect of fermentation in your body. Yeah, for many reasons. Number one, um, the idea of this—I don't know if you've heard of it—paleo diet. It's really popular right now, and it's trendy. So that's kind of a sucky part of it. So the, Trick, the, what is the it idea is that it's evolutionary based. All right. So there we have this. It's called the Paleolithic era. Okay. About 10,000 plus years ago. Yeah. Back, all the way back to millions of years. Okay. We didn't have agriculture. So for millions of years, we evolved without any agriculture-based foods, which includes grains, legumes, and dairy. Okay. And we are, we are literally made, that's, that is what made our DNA and our genome, is millions of years of evolution without agriculture. We didn't have agriculture till it depends on what part of the world, ten to 15,000 years ago. Okay. When we started with grains, legumes, and then cattle and dairy. and So that's only within wow. the past 10,000 years. So our... We haven't really evolved since then. As people? No, gen, bio, biologically. Okay. As culturally, of course. Right. But our DNA, our okay. genes hasn't changed, has not evolved. You're comparing millions of years versus... So the timeline's like yeah. this big, and then this long we've had. Right. Um, these, they're called Neolithic foods. Yeah. So as an experiment, I was, so I went ve- to repair my health. Right. The best solution I could come up with was vegetarian. Right. So I did that. Okay. For maybe 18 months. Dropped a t- shit ton of weight. Okay. But was foggy. Yeah, yeah. But thin. Yeah. So I was happy about that. Yeah. But I've been doing this paleo gig for about a year, and it's, it's way better, but I modify it. Okay. So I, there's this other technique yeah. called LCHF. It's from Sweden. Low carb, high fat. So that's when you ask me if I want something to eat. Right. I literally eat butter. I put butter in my coffee. 60 grams of butter in my coffee. Shut Coconut up. oil, MCT oil. Uh, eat a, I'll eat a pound of bacon. Yeah. Um, but no grains. And I'm, my brain is like <laughs> so much healed. Because that was part of my backing up my story. One of the reasons my business failed is I had a head injury. I fell and hit the back of my head. Uh, and it, so it rattled no my, yeah. my brain. But um, the fat has helped. My mom has Alzheimer's. And one coconut of the studies, oil. Yeah, MCT coconut oil. oil. Yeah. So if you look at all the Alzheimer's medications, if you'll read the literature and see what they're made from, they're coconut oil derivatives. And what? And so I know a woman. She's yeah. a doctor. She reversed her husband's Alzheimer's with MCT oil and coconut oil. And what's MCT oil? It's a medium chain triglyceride. It's a coconut oil derivative. Okay. And it's basically just like the the essential part of the coconut oil. Okay. Um, and how has she how has he, how has she brought that into his life? Um, just through his food. You literally just cook eat with it, it, eat it. Right off the spoon, put it in a smoothie. And you can only you have to ramp up with it. Okay. Um, which it's it's real. I've only, I've only been doing the MC2O for about a month, just as an experiment. 
because I it's very expensive and I've never been able to afford it. Okay. And my mom bought me some. So nice. I've been trying it. So we do this thing called bulletproof coffee. So what I was saying about coffee is yeah. I, take, I make 12 ounces of coffee. Okay. And then I take about at least two tablespoons of butter, which would be 28 grams. Okay. I go about 60. So say four tablespoons of butter, a t- tablespoon of MCT oil, cinnamon, nutmeg, and turmeric. Turmeric. In coffee and zip it, blend it with a stick blender. And it's the most... It's the it should win a Nobel Prize. The yeah. guy that invented it. Is it you, you drink it hot or yeah. it's yeah. And you have it for you can have it for breakfast and then not eat. And you don't need to eat for because of your energy level. You're fine. Yeah, you're fine. You're good to go. But anyways, it's part of a whole plan. You can't just do that until you're at a certain point um, getting off grains. It's this thing called being keto adapted or fat adapted. It's when your body recognizes that you have fuel yeah. in your body and it'll just it'll flip a switch. So normally when you're drinking Coca-Cola and you're moving around, yeah. you're burning glucose. Right. So it's keeping you going. When you hormonally trick your teach your body that yeah. you can also feed off of ketones, um, that's when you can burn fat. It literally your body just says Oh, there's fuel here, and it'll, it just uses it. It's like a magic trick, but it works. And how uh, how long to... Okay, so there's one application that has an effect with Alzheimer's, and right. there's one effect where uh, somebody's trying to change how their body... Functions. Changed. Yeah. The number one thing is gut repair that I'm interested in. Gut so repair. my whole thing is... Uh, the gut, I love... I focus on the gut. Yeah. Um, and removal of grains is almost essential. Basically, you can't repair your gut if you're on grains for everyone I've ever met, everything I've ever read. Um, it's just a, it's just an irritant. There are just too many, quote-unquote, anti-nutrients in grains. Okay. They're there to protect themselves from being eaten. But if they weren't there, birds would eat them, eat all the seed. Because right. it's right there exposed. Yeah. It's just right there. Right. They've tried to genetically remove these anti-nutrients, and when they do, the birds eat it all. So it's there to protect itself. You see, grains only reproduce if they hit the ground and without us. Say, if we're not involved. Right. Until it goes to seed. It it, and its only protection mechanism is it has to be toxic to an animal. Otherwise, it's going to get eaten. Yeah. If grain gets eaten, it doesn't come back and poop. Yeah. Like a raspberry or a blueberry. If when an animal eats that and poops it out, it's it grows. Right. But grain can't. So it has this self-protection mechanism, and it basically harms your gut. Um, it's fascinating. I don't know how I got all into that, but... That's anyways. crazy. No, that's awesome. So I what mean, I've been working... Yeah. So I've been helping him for the past few months. He's probably dropped 30 pounds. Or more, and he's mentally see, and that's clearer. The thing. And uh, on a on a physical note, um, there's been a lot of different. You know, I I think my approach to food has always been for others. You know, mm-hmm. um, when I was really really young, I had a crazy bad thing happen in my life, and and I decided that I just decided I don't want to be attracted to people. I don't want people to find me attractive. Okay. 
which you know of course being young you start you think about like this exterior person and that's what they're attracted to of course like yes assholes walking around the planet there is that attraction um the genuine attraction tends to be between two people's energy and what they're about when you talk and it has nothing to do with something for, I mean somewhat as an yeah. animal mm-hmm. there's that physical thing sure. where you respond to each other uh, but it actually plays such a smaller part in the connection mm-hmm. you know if you're just patient enough to watch what happens regardless of somebody's outward appearance mm-hmm. um, but you know my what I had done to my body when I went through that time uh-huh. Um, still affects me today, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like, and I, 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 you know, I was deathly thin. You could see through all of my skin. Wow. My hair was falling out. Yeah. Um, at one point, I shaved my head, and uh, it was just all shades of bad, all shades mm-hmm. of bad. And um, and I and I was grateful to find uh, cooking with great food mm-hmm. appealing because of course I personally benefit that yeah. but I did it and was motivated more by how its effect on people around me and seeing mm. you know seeing draw, people drawn to it by the way that it makes them feel when they first look at the plate maybe it takes yeah. them to a special time in their life maybe the smells has feeling the mind and, and yeah. body and soul yes. and the whole and they take a bite and it takes them back to a place where they felt safe sure. and anything was possible and, and, and I think I, I sometimes I talk to an older person and I say, you know, where I come from, I come from a place of historic respect, respect, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, it's like I look at something as simplistic as like a Reuben. Well, I love a Reuben. I'll go to most diners and, and yeah. try a Reuben. I want to know what it's all about. Yeah. But when I decide that I want to create a Reuben from here, it's coming from that great, absolutely great appreciation for the history involved, mm-hmm. and I know that uh, if I if I could take the meat and understand that what people have right now corned beef it's jacked full of pink salt that your body can't produce uh-huh. uh, uh, um, it can't break down and that's why a lot of people when they eat deli meat their limbs all swell up yeah. and all that stuff so if I want to create the same enjoyment level but I want to do it without that mm-hmm. what do I have to do as a chef I love the journey of dissecting a plate and the experience that people obviously still love and say, I want to do it in a way that won't hurt people and they can appreciate the history. You know, I've had like 60-year-old men buy into our Reuben and be yeah. like this is sauerkraut this right. is kraut this is right. what I grew up on like right. what they people grew up on now and I explain to people if a customer comes in and says well you know I saw you on the Food Network and I'd really like to try your Reuben but I never have liked sauerkraut and it's like well what you have is sauerkraut now just out on the um, on the shelves is is cabbage that is they speed everything up. Mm-hmm. They soak it in salt to break down the membrane. They soak it in acid to like soften the membrane. Mm-hmm. They do everything so fast because they want to produce something really quickly. Mm-hmm. Because sauerkraut is not something that they're going to win financially on the other side. Right. They have to take away the labor cost mm-hmm. uh, and the food cost of every part of it. Yeah. Making sauerkraut the right way. Um, as much as there's not enough, a lot of labor costs, and then the, soup, the food cost is amazing, but it takes time, yeah. you know? Unless you have a shit ton of time mm-hmm. or space, 
to have it be in batches. You know, it's mm -hmm. going to go for weeks. <clears throat> so you almost have it have a lab in the basement where the temperature's right and right. the fermentation be, can be going in uh, in a safe way. Yeah. Unless you have that, you, you're not going to be able to produce enough that your most popular sandwich is sustained. Right, right. So, and I don't, you know, like we ran out of sauerkraut one time. It's like, no, we're not making, we're not making it. You know, I'm not going to buy the crap and, yeah. and have people experience what so many people say. I hate it. It's like, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> but on a health level, you know, I mean, I... Um, like if I, you know, my eyesight has been affected this year, and it's something's happening there. And um, you know, I got married two years ago, and, and for two years I did everything I could to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Even though my husband and I are both chefs, and he's completely happy with where we're at. Yes. But I just wanted for my wedding, and I don't know why girls go crazy being right. bride. The word mm -hmm. it's all bad, um, but you know. For some reason, I thought it was what I should do, and it, nothing worked. And then mm -hmm. this past year, there was a lot of tumultuous, you know, just movement that was chaotic and all at once, and, and it got above me. And, and next thing you know, it was nothing I was doing intentionally other than making sure I eat portions of vegetables and portions of fruit and mm -hmm. water yeah. and all those things. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, I think in the last year, I've probably lost... 80 pounds. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. it's That's crazy awesome. because yeah. I don't I don't see myself any different. But if somebody yeah. has seen me and they haven't seen me for a while, they'd be like, uh, what's going on yeah. with you? Wow, That's um, cool. But I still really, uh, and that's all intentional, but I still, there's so many parts of it, like my eyesight has been amazing my whole life, uh -huh. and now there's days like today where it's like you get into a high stress in, in situation, mm -hmm. um, and, and it's like this crazy thing, and it's like, okay, I don't know what that's all about, yeah. you know, but interesting. eventually we'll figure it all well, out. That's cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. And just yeah. refocusing yourself on food. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not the, the enemy. It's yeah. in there, right. The answer's there, right. And you don't do it by not eating food. Like when you were saying, you know, the super, the coffee that you're doing. Yeah. And I, I, that's very interesting to me because of the good parts of it, you know. And also the coconut oil, yeah. that whole thing. We, my, uh, my, my, my mother's boyfriend just recently read about it, and he doesn't really know how to apply it to what she's at. She's this amazing power positive thinking woman mm -hmm. and um, it's devastating to watch her not remember yeah. from one minute to the next mm -hmm. who I am or what day it is and uh, you I'll know you, I'll give you the link to That'd the woman great. who did this she was, and there's an interview that she did with a buddy of mine not a friend not a real friend internet friend sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, she tells the story about what she did oh it's amazing and she's a doctor so using that MCT oil and and when you say MZT oil is expensive, like, what are you talking about? Like, what is the... Um, and is uh, it too a derivative of, you know, co of coconut or no? Yeah, yeah. It is. And I'm trying to think of pricing. You know, it's probably like 30 bucks for a... Okay. Jump. You know, small. Often, if you were like, okay, I'm You only need two this. tablespoons a day, and that's oh. if you're 200 pounds. You know, if you're 100 pounds, 125 pounds, you probably only need it. Yeah, maybe two tablespoons. Yeah. Something like that. Okay, so that's, so it goes, I mean, It goes far. Yeah, it's okay. Just, it seems expensive, but when it's yeah. for your health, you know, people would easily spend over $300 a month on diabetes medication yep. and be happy that it works. Yep. And yet they spend 20 bucks on a proper book, yep. eat grass-fed beef and vegetables, they'd be fine. Yeah. So, that was... Yeah. That's just me. I think yeah. you can fix yourself with absolutely. Farm, 
I would actually love to work with farmers first and show them how to get a little healthier. I see a lot of farmers have a real big midsections. It's just them all the grains they eat. They have the answer right in front of them. Yeah. But um, they're... They would just pull the grains out of their their diet. They would be have increased energy, right? Have live a better life. I mean, if you. It's so funny because like I yeah. crave like I belong to right. a CSA. Yeah. From a a farm in Apple Creek. What's the, what's that? Um, it's the same one Brian's in. We're in the same one. It's okay. from a, this farmer. Um, uh, but it's, okay. So they it's mostly meat. That's what they do, and then okay. they kind of bring in vegetables oh, and things yeah. and salt okay. for other people. Yeah. But anyways, they have everything I want, and yeah. I just can't afford to get enough of it right. from them. Yeah. And when, but when I go down there and see their family, it's like, they don't look so great. Yeah. They're healthy and strong, right. but I see the girls, as they get a little older, their bodies are uh, not, you know, they're not they're not where they should be. Yeah. And I wish, it's just so funny, like, they have what I want, yeah. they have it all, but they're a little bit off, like... Yeah. Have you ever, I mean, it's like, do you have a relationship with that farmer when you speak, I mean, or one of them, where you said, okay, biggest risk, I had this conversation just recently about, um, uh, there's an author, Milan Kundera, and, um, he talks all about, you know, like, uh, and the energy of people, and, mm-hmm. you know, some people will chalk it up to where the moon's at, or the effect of... So many things, yeah, circadian so many things. rhythms, and, right. Um, but when it all boils down to it, you know, if you feel like you've been in your, if you're in your darkest place, and that it doesn't matter if you would say something to somebody, uh, it wouldn't that matter. You could, yeah, right, right. You're not going to affect them, they're not going to affect you, yeah. you're in that spot. Mm-hmm. But his take on it is that when, and I so believe in this, you know, as an, I, 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 in a shy way, consider myself an artist because of what I love to do and create, and I know it's being created by someplace, you know, here mm-hmm. and sure. experiences. Um, and so I understand that when you get to that place and you think that it's like nobody can possibly understand you, mm-hmm. uh, the further you go into that dark place and allow yourself to have uniquely melancholy moments and and really go as deep as you can not by making yourself depressed but like mm-hmm. try to ponder what how you got there and what is it that you yeah. ultimately want to change what do you want to change what right? do you want to do yeah when you're there you are most capable of creating your most uniquely beautiful creation mm-hmm. that will speak to more people mm-hmm. because i think that a lot of people live on that plane where they find coping mechanisms to distract themselves from the pain yeah. or uh, convince others that they're not there because it wouldn't be okay. And and when you embrace those times of your day or times of your week or, or t- a year even mm-hmm. um, and give it some kind of power, yeah. uh, it's actually making it... Um, you're putting yourself in a raw space mm-hmm. to come from the purest part of who you are as a creature and, and what you create is going to have the biggest impact, impact. on others. Yeah. That are in that same spot. Yeah, yeah. You know? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm just like more, I'm just totally isolated from people. Yeah. I don't socialize. I don't go out. Like I told you, I don't eat in restaurants. Yeah. I don't go to a restaurant. I and years. tell me about that. Why is that? What is, what's the bad thing? There's nothing good. There's Food wise. There's nothing in there to eat. Got it. In any restaurant. Yeah. Now, you're a different good. thing I'm not going on here. I'm not yeah. You know, I've been reading about these. There's tons of famous chefs from Cleveland all for whatever reason. I know nothing about what they do. I yeah. don't care. Um, maybe I'll get to talking to them. Yeah. I, I'll, we'll see. But anyways, well, when I say restaurant, 
they're all they're all co-opted. So all they are is just delivery vehicles for Same the thing. food industry. Right. So and then so the government subsidizes the production of grain, yep. corn, and wheat, and then they have to get it to market. Right. So the food scientists go to work and layer up fat, salt, sugar. Yeah. <laughs> and create these yes. food mechanisms that right. hit our <coughs> brain in a special way. Yep. And it's not food. It's all crap. Yeah. Everything that comes off the Cisco truck shouldn't be eaten, basically. So, Cisco is Satan. <laughs> yeah. So what are you going to do? I mean, yeah. and I'm poor, so I can't afford yeah. to go somewhere good okay. to eat. Right, right. You know, um, my favorite food in the world is pizza. Yeah. And it's the worst food. I mean, it's been that's no food is more disappointing to me than pizza. Because so I started of, because of it's an effect on your body. No, or? no, because it's a. Shit, sucks. Yeah. Who makes good pizza? Nobody. Nobody yeah. does. So I started doing it myself yeah. with my own fermented doughs. That's great. And I started practicing. Yeah. Unfortunately, I had to let it go. But anyways, that's a good story. That? Because of the grain? Because of the, yeah, the grain. <laughs> so, the, um, back to the point, the restaurants. Okay, yeah. It's just not food. It's It doesn't interest me at all. It's overpriced. It's not beneficial. Yeah. So I'm a full-time dad right now and I have three kids, so I cook. That's all I do is cook yeah. and clean. The kids what, how cook old? all day. The oldest is in kindergarten, six. My daughter's four and my son's three. Holy cow, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so those are pretty calm days. They're, they're yeah. awesome. Yeah. Food, changing their diet. Yeah. My son... It wasn't looking good for him. He had some behavioral problems. Really? Yeah. And then this past, it's been over a year now, we pulled grains out of his diet. He's he's the shining star in his class. The teacher says he's the best kid in the class. He's the only boy who has not been disciplined yet this year and, and all this stuff. And So the number one thing is gluten. Yeah. If I could just have someone fix, fix one thing about their diet, leaving the legumes, leaving the dairy, leaving whatever, the margarine, I don't care, whatever, yeah. corn oils, industrial seed oil, oh, yeah. fine. Glue, start there. And you'll, you'll do yourself huge favors. I don't right. care if you're celiac or have a gluten intolerance or not. You're going to yeah. get some benefits. But then the problem is you become a label reader, yeah. and you can still eat out of boxes. I don't eat out of box. Nothing in my house comes out of. I never open a box. I open cans of tomatoes, right. tuna, and canned salmon. But other than that, I almost never open a package. Uh, pasta. No, no flour. It's gone. Rice. No. Occasionally. Now I've made it a few times this year. Like, white rice for the okay, kids. Okay. Yeah. Just for for fun. Yeah. Because it's considered a safe starch. Right. Uh, it is a. Because it doesn't grain. have gluten. Right. Yeah. And so, same thing can be said for corn. Yeah. If you want to cheat, you can go to Mexican, get tortillas, and meat, yeah. and a salad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and 100% corn tortillas. If you... I like those, you know, there's some brands... I, I'm very anti any corporate produced food, yeah. anything in a bag or whatever, yeah. but in a pinch, I'll pick up some... Those blue organic corn chips. And Local. Okay. Well, they do. No, that. I get the yeah. crappy oh, earth chips. brand. Okay. Or, you know, chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they. Do and then we have a little pretend Mexican, night, you know, food, and it's just grass-fed beef. Yeah. Cut a big piece of beef and salad. Right. Yeah. Some chips and make huh. guacamole. Yeah. So you can eat as much avocado as you want. Yeah. 
Um, and I make fermented salsa. So I ferment all my salsas. I ferment anything that's liquid in my house, pretty much. <laughs> fermented salsa. Now tell me the ex. I mean, like fermented because it goes from the fresh just, taste to a spoiled taste. What is beyond here? What's oh, over here? It, in two days, it only goes about two days, and it's tart. It's um, it's like the perfect salsa you ever okay. had. It tastes like you squeezed lemon juice in it. That's this. That acidity. And do you? Do no, you? I just weigh. So the tomato is going to pre-, pre is the tomato. So I make a standard salsa, whatever way you like to make it. Yeah. With jalapenos, whatever fresh herbs, ingredients, onions, all the whatever your favorite way to make it is. I put it in a mason jar, <coughs> and I simply strain off some whey, either from my homemade yogurt or whatever. You could even use a sauerkraut starter. Okay. If you have a real culture, like a true vegetable culture, that would yeah. be cool too. Some people are such super tasters, they can taste the way. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a smoker, so yeah. I can barely taste anything. Yeah. <clears throat> and here I am coughing. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. Yeah, and I just leave that on the countertop for a couple days. And it bubbles in it. Oh, man, in two days, it's the best salsa you ever had. So, uh, you know, do you think that it's like when you started doing that, that there was a time when you recognized the salsa as tasting spoiled before it was ready? Uh-uh. No. No. I've never had that flavor. I, not at all. Uh-uh. And it's just room temperature. Um, I don't... It's... I'm deuce... It's... So one trick I'll do with either salsa or also ferment my guacamole and so what I do is I make the guacamole with no salt and I float salt water on top of it so I mix way into the guacamole yeah and then I float salt water on top of it so it sits there for a day right and it doesn't oxidize and it doesn't turn brown I was salt water it keeps it green but that's crazy most of that salt water or as much as I want, I'll keep it. Yeah. And then mix it into this guacamole, right. and then I can get it to the salt content I want. you want. And then I just add more salt water. <clears throat> People have had it, and they're like, this is the, this right. is the craziest tasting stuff. It's, right. And it's wild. It's got a electricness yeah. on the tongue. Very sharp. So I do all kinds of, for my gigs like that, but I can't sell it. It's illegal. It's an illegal food product. Why is that? Same reason, wrong. All fermented foods are living culture. Yeah. I've talked to the state. I've talked to ODA. I've been hit emails back and forth, and they're like, no way. Can you sell sauerkraut, <laughs> salsas, fermented salsas? No, no living foods at all. Well, they're protecting us from ourselves. I, yeah, I had a counselor I was assigned to the agricultural department because it's like I would go to, I would call and just complain about, you know, why is it that my seventh generation apple cider farmer mm-hmm. is no longer able to sell me the real, real deal real apple cider. cider? Isn't that sad? Well, and my farmers did never, I mean, like, I, they know I'll go to bat to the, for them and call and say, tell me what is the compromise. Like, mm-hmm. you know, farmers can sell uh, a dozen eggs off the farm sitting out. Yeah. And as long as they never, they never refrigerator. got a refrigerator, never, yep. as, as long as they have a sticker that says you have to cook those yolks 100%. Now, nobody right. fucking cooks the yolk 100%. I would, Give me a I break. would take those. I would drink those eggs. Okay. Yeah, okay. No yeah, problem. Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. I, I, get, I got some 
I had a regular gig where I was getting farm fresh eggs. Yeah. And I would eat the yolks all the time raw. I tend to like my eggs where the white is just set up and the yolk is warmed. Like yeah, it's that's liquid. Cool. Yeah. That's probably the perfect way to eat an egg. Cooking the white is actually beneficial. Yeah. You should eat a whole raw egg. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, hmm. yeah. I'm interested too because it's like when we do uh, when we do sauerkraut. When you talk about a way culture, what happens, Mindy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one. When I do kraut, when I do krauts, I don't use a, a starter. I don't either. I just no. let this cabbage do it. Right, like when we do, like <laughs> that's when, the only one. Yeah. Anything with cabbage in it, or if I'm making a culture and I don't have, if I'm making anything, I'll just throw cabbage in it to get it to start. Because Fermented has, cabbage. Yeah, no, just regular cabbage. So I'll just take. See if I'm doing. Oh, you name any vegetable. If I was going to do some beans. Yeah. And I had no starter culture, I would just throw some cabbage in it. The lactobacillus that's on the leaf, you get a nice farm fresh cabbage. It has that white right. film on it. Yeah, yeah. The lactobacillus, you just throw it in there with the other produce, and it'll get the bacterial action going. So how so, long do you ferment your crop before? Three weeks is minimum for mm-hmm. me, but I, when I teach people, I just say, leave it on your countertop for a week. Start eating it on the fourth day. Just pick some out <clears throat> to experience it for yourself. Right, because you need to know what flavor, yeah. How it goes, the temperature. Some places get really bad yeast, and you just grow what's called cam yeast on the top. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's so gross. The yeah. whole thing's ruined. Yep. It's, oh, it's yep. the worst flavor in the world. Yeah. It happens to me all the time with peppers here. And um, I feel like half... It's the water while. content. Mm-hmm. It's the water content in the vegetable. Yeah? Yeah. It's because we do, I was going to say, we do our cabbage in the basement. We make a salt water, and we cu- we just we simply cut up the fresh cabbage. We rinse it, mm-hmm. and then we put it into bus tubs and, and put the salt water solution on top mm-hmm. and weigh it. Yeah, that's and what then I do. Yeah. That's it. Like, there's no, like, we don't put any... Anything else, mm-hmm. and then it's down there for two. Depending on the time of the year, two, three years, two, uh, two three weeks, mm-hmm. and then you can tell by because when we weigh it down, there's going to be some of that liquid up top mm-hmm. that when you nudge it, you'll see the bubble activity mm-hmm. in it. And we base when it's ready on that, mm-hmm. and also tasting that, which right, that's right. the most obnoxious flavor up on top. Yep. The, the the part that's getting foamy mm-hmm. and bubbly is what creates that smell. Uh-huh. But it's also that flavor that people associate with spoiling. Yep. But I'll tell them it's like you know I train my my kitchen. It's like mm-hmm. you know when you eat, when you taste the mother, you know you should taste the mother, especially when we go through a temperature and moisture change in in you know in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you should taste your mother because she goes through stress you yeah. know the bread mother sure, sure. um the same thing with fermenting cabbage yeah. you know you should taste the different prop the different steps of it mm-hmm. and when i'm first teaching like a chef de cuisine i'll have them taste it every day yeah because there is that because it's like almost like when it gets to a certain point the you don't identify the salt you start identifying a different flavor which mm-hmm. They associate initially because of where it hits on their tongue yeah. as spoilage. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Interesting. And I'll say, that's good. Yeah. Remember that because I want you to taste that same mm-hmm. place tomorrow huh. and it mm-hmm. stops 
You know, it goes from salty mm -hmm. to this is rotting mm. to this is actually pretty cool, as if you soaked it in vinegar. Yeah. And then once the lactic acid starts building up as the pH lowers, then the flavor profile will change. I can see that. Yeah. So but sometimes it gets away from us and it gets weeks, nasty. Krauts and kimchi and things I don't have any problems with. The peppers. Yeah. Well, I don't. A peppers take a minimum of six months to a year. Yeah. Oh, they're no, they're just yeah. not any good. But. My favorite, one of my favorite things is just Hungarian hot peppers and okay. in, in, in cabbage. So just sauerkraut with Hungarian hot peppers in it. And that doesn't take a long time. With a culture Maybe. and salt water. That's it. Yeah. And um, like me and Brian, he just does a favor, came over because I had a lot of cabbage to process one night. We were up till like 4 a.m. We yeah. made our last batch of kimchi. 60 pints we made. So I've got probably 45 left. And... And the last, and so I jar it all up and then just put it in the fridge. And you do refrigerate it. You, okay, so done. I was going to say, yeah. So it aged for almost two months. Okay. And then I just, when I'm done, when I decide that I'm ready, yeah. I just spend some time. I put it all in jars. I don't heat it or pasteurize it or cook yeah. it. And I just put it in the fridge. And it'll last a long time. In yeah. There, like a long time. Lucky I've eaten it a year later in the fridge. Um, and it's fine. Good. So... I, I want to try burying it. I, I want to try really Yeah, that's a great idea. Like, yeah. I mean, out here with the garden, you know, we tried potato farming in the, in the tires this year. And, I, I mean, I did it in New York, and it worked out so well. And, you know, our garden serves as a, it's a boutique garden. You know I mean? Like, mm -hmm. we don't get any product out of the garden that we get everything we need other than herbs. Mm -hmm. And, um... Every other thing serves as a way, it, it, not that it was intentionally built like that, but back in the day when we did the garden, we were a lot slower of a restaurant, and there were products that we were able to grow and produce as much as we needed. But now, uh, you know, we would need to have that garden times six, yeah, eight, yeah. to produce everything, right, right. which is one of my goals. Like, I want to, after I do the second restaurant, I want to take a downtown spot um, that is one of the many unused parking spaces and do a straw bale structure mm -hmm. um, for somebody, for the manager, the, the farm farm manager to live on, and then just do all raised bed farming yeah. um, to yet again show people how that we can't, we have so much space downtown, our city is dying, yeah. like, why... We don't have to be stuck on the idea of what a downtown has to be, um, and what's lacking is good food for our people. Mm -hmm. And you know, so right now people will look and they'll see what's out there and they'll think, "I never saw how that grow. I never yeah. saw how that. Whoa, that's how it looks when it's a vegetable and that in the grocery store." Yeah. And you know, and seeing generations of like a grandparent and a parent and then kids out there, like looking at the vegetables and feeling them, and they all know yeah. it's like take, take one, you, you can take heard? what you want. You ever read that book? Um, oh, what's it called? Veg Animal Vegetable Miracle. No. Barbara King Solver. Mm -mm. So it's about her journey discovering farming or whatever. Yeah. And um, she showed a friend. Um, they're like, "Well, what's that?" Grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, they're potatoes. Yeah. She's like, "Oh, I didn't know potato had a plant part, <laughs> like a plant part." Oh, yeah. Right. You just like, thought they were magic, like these. Well, so, I, oh, please. But here's the funny thing that completely relates to my journey, too, yeah. because when I was in San Mateo or whatever, I, you know what? Food came from the grocery store. Right. It yeah. just, it's packed. It's, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's Bags, all there. Cellophane. It's yeah. ready to go. You just rip it open. And throw right. It, and, For sure. Or you don't even have to do that. You mm -hmm. can just throw it in the microwave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. 
So, yeah, it's this idea of this food desert, you know, Cleveland um, or any inner city. Um, I've had no perspective on it at all except because of Maurice. Yeah. And he always kind of pulls me back in there and shows me... We've been talking a lot about food access, um, as possible growing in the city, things like that. Um, It's interesting. So you're thinking about another, a second location? Yeah, I really, I I closed a restaurant this year. Uh, You know, I mean, I... In Cleveland, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I had one Maybe it's because I wasn't eating in restaurants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, everything in my life happens this way. And it's like because I, I thought for a long time like I was a planner, you know, like I had this. But uh, I have to now understand as a, as a seriously older adult that um, I'm, the, the best things in my life come from when I let go and, 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 and observe and then and fill what is missing that I am uniquely in love with, you uh-huh, know? Right. And because and, I'll stay That's a great space, yeah. You know, and I can appreciate others around me for what they love, mm-hmm. you know? Um, oh, and sometimes it's like I understand that my role is simply as an observer and that by observing, somebody feels my support for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the this came through, like, it was a coffee house in a part of Tremont that was not doing very well. How long ago? Ooh, ten years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and it was uh, I had read something in the paper back when I first came home, and I, I, I nobody would hire me. You know, I was a James Beard award-winning pastry chef, you know, the whole thing, and 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 I, I thought moving home would be easy. Like mm-hmm. in New York, I was making bank. I was very happy. You know, living in Woodstock, where I would be, you know, like I, I submerged myself in blacksmithing. I went back to the restaurant and had balance between uh, access to my craft, but also access at my crafts. You know, I got to cook, mm-hmm. I got to pound metal. Yeah, it was right. great. Yeah. Um, and when I when it, and of course it's like, you know, that all crumbled because of love and um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Really fucking hallmark. But anyways. Uh, and I needed to kind of to search, you know seek out some just love unconditional love and and so I moved back here and I didn't ever think when I first came back I was staying I figured I was gonna like glue so my bones back yeah, together right, you okay. know yeah um, but uh, you know I read an article at first I consulted for a number of different bakeries and, and taught them how could they could make that next step into something more pure and stop using instant yeast and stop right. using proof boxes and stop like it doesn't have to be that way you can do wholesale baking and also participate in the process of the natural mm-hmm. you know th- way things go um, and and, le- and it's okay I think to let people understand that they're going to be disappointed from time to time because yeah. you can't set out to say it's going to be done at 2 o'clock that's the problem for in- industrial or commercial yeah. foods okay so, they cannot tolerate that. Yeah, non-timeliness. Yeah. Um, so I had to, because I participated in so many different levels of food, you know, I uh, ran uh, Schwartz Brothers Bakery in Seattle and 70, we had 70 Starbucks accounts. So I produced pastry for uh, C-Bus... C- C- uh, C- uh, the S word, I always called the S word, but Starbucks National, yeah. where okay. at the time they were very connected to producing a line of pastries that they were going to be known for, for branding. And I said, I wasn't a big fan of that idea because people eat very regionally. Mm-hmm. You know, what? Uh, being somebody who traveled on for many years, 
what appeals to somebody in Chicago is not going to appeal to somebody in California mm -hmm. or Minnesota. <laughs> and if you're going to open these coffee houses all over the country, you should more spend time getting to know what that those people respond to. Yeah. Um, and then producing from there mm -hmm. to match what you consider the quality of your yeah. product. Yeah. So, But at the point, they didn't want to hear about it, so I set out to create this whole line, and, and I had 70 employees, and I made so much ridiculous money for doing what I did, huh. and my chef code at the end of the day was always clean. So, I mean, it just, it it, it was killing me. It's like me. violated your spirit, it was killing right? killing me. I want to be Indo. I want to, yeah. you know. So what different approach did you take here? What, what you said well, it was a coffee shop? It was a coffee shop. when I first, But that's it? Yeah. It was a coffee shop who, when I first moved in, this pastry case here mm -hmm. had uh, cans of soda, just Coke, and yeah. you know, I mean, this is like my my, my vice where yeah. it's like everyone's on this is the only thing they can do. Last three days have been, yeah. Um, but they had you know all the canned sodas, mm -hmm. and then they had um, muffins from from Costco. They had yeah. you know, pack. it was just like really, guys, this is horrific. And the yeah. only reason they did this was because this section of uh, Tremont, who had a lot of housing that uh, was not sellable because it was considered the bad part of Tremont because the projects are two blocks away. Okay. So they bought this business because they thought if they put a business there, there will be enough foot traffic that people will feel safe. Uh -huh. And that they, they can extend the part of uh, Tremont that is considered urban uh, living, but it's something that, you know, the people with money can consider, you know. Okay. Yeah, I drove around for a little while before I stopped yeah. in because I was early just to see yeah. what was going on over here. Um, I've never been in the neighborhood. Actually, just yesterday I was at Civilization. Yeah. I was going to meet Brian, but we had a little mix-up. Yeah. Um, and so that's only like, and I was here once for that Tremont Farmer's Market. Yeah. Um, just to see what it was, what was right. going on. Yeah. So, yeah, the neighborhood's still yeah. marginal. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, people thought, well, anyways, I I approached the existing owner and I said, you know, I'm really looking for a space to bake where I want to buy farm fresh products and I want to buy, I want to make things from scratch. Mm -hmm. And I understand that the general public, their idea of what is out there is they're looking for that $2 muffin and it needs to be this big. And I, don't know, I get it, I get it. There's, uh -huh. there's Orlando and there's, you know, this and... Um, and I get it. I see what There's else Costco out there. Costco and Men's and... That's it. That's, that's all it. there is, right? Yeah. And the other bakeries in the neighborhood were right. buying uh, buckets of muffin mix. Like, yeah. buying muffin mix. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, you wank. If you're yeah. a baker, you can't yeah. put together a six-ingredient muffin mix. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for that. Um, and save money. <laughs> but uh, anyways, so I convinced... And, and they had a storage closet in the back where they the kids did dishes yeah. and stores stuff and there were two refrigerators a two by four table a three compartment sink and the space was like this and I was like okay well what do you want for this room right here and he's like a oh, hundred bucks a month I'm like I can afford that that's about what I can afford yeah um and so I started off baking for just luckies but then some of the nicer restaurants the word got out that you know like uh, I'm baking, and I only had a half sheet pan convection oven, so me and my <laughs> husband bought for my birthday, my now husband, uh -huh. uh, and you know, it's like, so I could only bake, I think it was like 10 scones at a time. I was going to say a dozen or Anytime wow. I had uh, to do a wedding cake, I would have to make the batter here, and because I only had a little mixer that was from the 40s mm -hmm. that somebody gave me, it was her pride <laughs> and joy, and it was like, I still have it, someday yeah. I will, you know, put it in a shrine, but, 
um, it did, it couldn't handle big mixes, so I would have to put all the ingredients together and either also take that to a friend's bakery restaurant or make it like by scratch. And then I would haul the batter to friends' restaurants that had a real oven so I could bake a 12 inch cake. Yeah, I could only wow. make like this, you know. Wow. Yeah, it was Your a little, little crazy. easy bake oven back yeah, exactly. there. Yeah, exactly. A little 40 yes. watt light bulb in there. Yeah, you're going to be like, it'll happen, it'll happen. <clears throat> and, um, and that's when I first met Laura Taxel because I was at home one day and it was like a Wednesday and, and I get a phone call from the manager here and Fred said, oh, Ed, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but, you know, we're on the front cover of the Plain Dealer as, you know, this revolution of real food in Cleveland and they're talking about your baked goods and I'm like, huh? And so I come in here and there's a line out the door and I know wow. for fuck's sake, I'm like, I can't, if I go back there right now, yeah. uh, the 12 scones are going to be gone by the time, right. like, two people in. Yeah. So we started telling people, it's like, you know, give them free coffee if they can hang. I won't bake for them. I won't uh -huh. bake for them. Yeah. Um, people waited, and, and it became a party and a celebration of, wow, that's thank so God, cool. that, you know, like, this is... And they were paying the price. I mean, it wasn't like... I was competing with the price of the Costco muffins. I was paying, and it was very important to me. Like, I have to charge what I need to charge for this muffin mm -hmm. to enable me to continue buying the greens from Stutzman Greens, like seven generations in. And these berries from this farmer, which, by the way, you know, we... We went. I like to every summer go to a different farm and help them, so I can better appreciate what farming is about, yeah. you know, and like on a physical level. Right. So, and I, I try to take as many crews I can, so they can appreciate. Be careful with raspberries; they're a pain yeah. in the ass. You know, there's a reason they're five dollars a pint. Yeah. Um, but you know, all those different things. The people who were waiting wanted to taste the difference. They want to be like, what the fuck is right. different about well, this? You know. Right. And they get, you know, a lot of times people get an attitude like, oh, well, what do you think you're trying to do here? Yeah. And um, I had to, and the first week after that article came out, after consulting for so many years and understanding that I'm walking into a business where initially they had inspiratus, this came from a pure place. They dealt with at some point hardship and and somebody said somebody said you should do this no you should do this well this is what companies want they got all confused by this and mm -hmm. the fear that comes from failure mm -hmm. and they started baking or running their business from a place of fear yeah. and they lost sight of inspiratus they lost sight of that moment when they knew what they needed to mm -hmm. do and they wanted to do and like my grandfather used to tell me you know, if you do what you love doing long enough, you will feel successful, whether it's monetary or not, yeah. because your day is filled with something that makes you happy. And mm -hmm. when you're happy, you attract all good things in your life. Yeah. And that stays with me every day. Mm -hmm. But I understood after that first week of hearing feedback from people and understand yeah. they were like, 275, the muffin's this big. And right. I'm like, yes, I understand. But it's, yeah. you know, I started having to like defend myself. It was important to me to write a mission statement and try to get down in words where I was coming from when I wanted to stick up for my farmers. I wanted to help keep them in business. I, I needed to have that connection to knowing that I'm doing the right thing and we're progressing as mm -hmm. creatures. And, you know, and um, I needed to always go back there. And for the first two years, there would be, you know, five months at a time where I didn't have a paycheck. And... Um, you know, we did have to compromise a number of times on maybe the number of things we produced. But when I went in doubt, when I feared that I was being questioned, 
enough that I was going to change my standard, I would reread my mission statement. Yeah. And yeah. it always took me back to what I wanted to do. And I tell people all the time, I was like, oh, what, what would you recommend somebody who wants to start a business? I'd be like, yeah. write a mission statement. Uh-huh. If you're that in love with the idea of doing something, put it to words. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took me a week to write it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. um, and, and, and in the end, ended up being everything that I was filled with when I decided that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the first article came out, and that started like this kind of frenzy about it was finally... Uh, a coffee shop where people would come and hang yeah. and uh, we uh, you know we struggled with the half sheet pan convection oven but basically what I did was I would work about 18 hours a day and I had a friend come in and work the other hours mm-hmm. um, you know just, just keeping keep enough yeah, you know, yeah. Right. Uh, but you know it's a labor of love and you do what you need to do um, but then at one point the owners the real estate people came to me and said you know Every time we have a problem in the cafe or there's a question about where to go with this or whatever, we come to you and you send to always have the solution or know what to do to come up with the solution. Mm-hmm. And how would you like to be our partner? And, and uh, being somebody that, that that word partner means a lot to me, mm-hmm. I said, you know, I don't know you guys well enough to, to know if that's possible for me. And I have no problem understanding that I would be the workforce and that you would be the money and you're mm-hmm. the building and the whole thing. Right, right. But how about if we work together until I know that we can be partners? Uh-huh. Because I'm asking that a partnership that would work with me would be one where they are silent. Yeah. And I want to know that you can do that. Mm. So it took about two years, yeah. <laughs> two years, of me uh, explaining that to them. What parts? Did they honor them. that side of it after two years? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. After two years, they trusted that I won't let it go down. Yeah. And not for them, not for me, mm-hmm. but for the staff that we attract, for the community that we're building that appreciate what we do. Mm. Um, I'm not a martyr. Eventually, it would be great if we made bank, but yeah. um, it's not what drives me. You know, what drives me is looking out here and, and you know, and having the, the the young people who come here and they specifically want to work here. They want to be yeah. a part of that kitchen, yeah. knowing full well that every single person that works in the kitchen starts at minimum wage. Yeah. Like, I need to see what you're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Like, our most expensive dish is $14. And the and, and it's $14, and even at that, we lose money. Like, we lose money. Uh-huh. But the value perception of that dish, I cannot get more than that from right. people um, without making them mad. And with this location, I said from the beginning, I did not want to do a menu where my farmers couldn't eat here, mm-hmm. even if it was one of those times where they had to prioritize. It was mm-hmm. a special event. Um, so we'll run a special every once in a while for like $17, yeah. and we know everybody can't afford it. Right. But we also want to celebrate that ingredient, like asparagus. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes that week is, is a week. Mm-hmm. So let's focus on asparagus and let's do it up. Um, and we still get the occasional customer who will have seen us on the Food Network and say, well, why can't you add a tomato to my turkey sandwich? I'm like, because I respect tomatoes too much you to serve them to. Right yeah, like, and they don't understand that. Like, how can you be a diner or whatever it is that you are and yeah. not offer a tomato on a sandwich or as a garnish? It's like, first off, tomatoes aren't meant to be a garnish. It's a food. It's a beautiful one. And when they're in season... They should be eaten like an apple. <laughs> you know, like, and then you preserve yeah. the rest yeah. in whatever method, yeah. and or put Completely. up until you put by. Yeah, you yeah. There, are, you don't have tomatoes in February. That's yeah. just a fact. So it, you don't. I love the seasonal approach. That's yeah. really cool. I love it. Well, I, and you know, when I talk to friends, 
I, my, my people are chefs, you know, and it's like I come from a culture of chefs where you order it up. And I certainly have worked for companies that get all their dry goods from Cisco. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I consulted for, and this place was one of them, enough restaurants that use Cisco as their mother purveyor mm-hmm. to understand that they have enough really expensive lawyers to when you're a small company you feel it Mm -hmm. and my breaking point was at this company where our our sales rep was a fantastic person but knew that in the middle of January we're going through a hard time you know I mean our our customers we're down by half of the amount of customers Mm -hmm. and we're doing the best we can you know I'm not driving around a Maserati my staff and 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 not paying my bills so it was one of those things that on a Friday afternoon our delivery is supposed to be here at three and they didn't deliver not on not not only not deliver, they didn't call and tell me we're not delivering uh-huh. it. You guys owe three, three invoices, which I think total up to like twelve hundred dollars. Okay. And I said, you know what? And when I placed my order on Wednesday, if you knew that it had gotten to that point, Just I would have written know. you yeah. a check from my personal account to make right. sure we get the food. Mm-hmm. At three o'clock on a Friday, you are saying I need to run around Cleveland right. and gather the things to get through the weekend. Uh-huh. So uh, they were done. They never will pull up in front of any business I own. We yeah. get approached probably every six months saying, oh, we've changed. Yeah. I, I'm not interested. I'm cool. really not interested. Yeah. Um, the smaller the business, the more likely it is I'm going to purchase from, from them, even if that means that the products are more expensive, be, uh, because I know that it's people supporting people. Mm-hmm. And um, there are not a lot of companies who really understand that, because mm-hmm. I take it kind of to an extreme. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, it's what keeps yeah. small, it's what's going to keep Cleveland alive. Yeah. You know, We're made up of... I think Clevelanders as creatures are these crazy, loyal, hardworking people, and I believe that... Oh, they're they, loyal. They still go to the Browns games. They're loyal. One of them. I can't hear. I can't help it. I can't. I mean, I was I was a football fan back in the you know Bernie Kosar and the mm-hmm. Hail Marys that came through mm-hmm. and and that taste. Yeah, that was of, my youth. That I mean, all and I. That was me and my, my buddy head. in the street in the backyard. Yeah. That's all. That's yep. all we cared about. Yep. Yeah. Well, and 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 those victories when you thought all hope was lost. Yeah. That those victories of when you think anything is possible is I think yeah. sometimes it draws upon now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, hmm. we'll be there someday. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Just change the subject. Yeah. Do you have a little more time? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that cool. Absolutely. Me and Maurice, I found so. Me and Maurice and Brian Doyle sat down at the Root. Like, yeah. I have, I've been to more places. Root. It's a coffee shop. And, okay. Oh, I think I've heard about them. Yeah. Where is it? Lakewood. You know where the hell we Lakewood were? Lakewood and Detroit. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. We were all kind of coming from different areas. And yeah. We wanted to just get together real quick. Yeah. But um. So I think I've been to more restaurants, yeah. and coffee shops in the past. Two months than I have in two well, years, I, but anyways, you're gonna have to try food at some point. Uh, yeah. you know? Maybe we'll like, make some money. Well, and, and then be like, <laughs> okay, it's it, okay. I should become a critic and have someone just pay for me to eat the food. That's right. That's or right. just do it on my own and review. Well, there's Blogger. there's too many food bloggers, and I have a problem with all of them. You anyways, no, so you I just I just yeah. I follow them all on Twitter yeah. and all their blogs. Just this week, I've unfollowed all of them and, yeah. took, and erased all their bookmarks and I'm not going to pay any attention to That's them good. anymore. That's good. So anyways, they're... I never bullshit? read... I read one blog when I first came back to Cleveland and what they wrote was so cruel 
mm-hmm. because I know the person, I know where they come from, uh-huh. I, and and I respond to that person. It started an all-out war. Yeah. Um, and Joe Crea, the food writer from the Plain Dealer, called me and said, "Have first off." You, you write you start an account where it's not your name Heather Havlin <laughs> your yeah. comments where you're telling them to fuck off and die yeah. um, oh, okay I didn't know that <laughs> I got it and secondly um, you know you you, you know sh- uh, a business owner in this city you if you're going to read them read them take them to heart if they make sense or if it's something you've thought on your own but he's like you know and I said you know what in the end I'm not gonna I'm not going these are are sad Backless people who go home and sit in front of their computer and like and you know and that's how I felt for a long time. Now getting to know Guy Fieri um, when he came to do the show the show here and just getting to know him as a a, a person, which I very much respect what he does for businesses. I really do. Hmm. Um, I got to go for his birthday this last year in California. It was our first time in California, and that was just this blessed event. But. you know, he told me at one point, he's like, it's important to read blogs to a certain extent. You can tell the tone and the intentions mm-hmm. of the person in the first couple sentences. Sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. But you can also okay. tend to read where someone's coming from because it'll read poetic and drip of sincerity. Mm-hmm. When it's somebody who's got given thought, even yeah. if they have to say something negative, they're not flippant about it. And those are the ones that are a lot of times literature and worth reading because they've thought about what they want to say. Mm-hmm. They're normally full of hope that the, that, that that will be changed. You know? Yeah. And yeah. If you read enough and you spend enough time, you could yeah. find those bloggers. But yeah. for the most part, people are either star fuckers, they want to catch a rising star, or tear someone down. Right. And there's no in-between. That's all you have. You either yeah. have people that are bandwagon, you jump yeah. on the bandwagon, or rip that person apart. Yeah. There's not much in-between. Yeah. So... Well, yeah. I care. I don't need a You're right. Anyways. You're right. And honestly, it's like, well, my husband say, we don't have time to read blogs. Like, what the hell are you He's doing? He's got time for that. Well, and there's a couple friends who will say, Hev, I want you to read a blog. And I'll say, just give me the, give me the, t- give me the highlights. Right? Yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, it's all like, oh, okay, got it. That's what they said. Okay. Hmm. Heard. So, yeah. back to my story. What yeah. Ian, so Maurice has his, his thing's food access. It's yeah. all he really freaking cares about. Yeah. It's all like, that's his thing. And I don't care. I yeah. just don't. I don't know. About it's not what? my pain. Access? Yeah. I, okay. I'm, yeah. I don't know about it. Yeah. Anyways, I have enough problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, he said, well, I said the problem is the, our entire economic system yes. is, is broken. It, that You're not going to use the system to fix that. Say you're lucky you write the perfect grant. Right. You're going to get some money, bring a temporary stopgap measure solution in, right. and it's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. So Please. Maurice is like, okay, then, why don't you invent a new currency? Because this is one of my things. I always say that all the historic great societies have had multiple currencies. For Oftentimes sure. they were local. Okay. And because it's something that would have local value... And it was just as equal as in this government-sponsored currency. Yeah. Whether it be a piece of flint or a sharpened steel yeah. or pelt or yeah. something. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> so he's like, well, then invent a, a currency, a food right. currency. I'm like, that's smart. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remembered reading about one online. Yeah. And I found this guy. Um, it's called DunbarDollar.com. This cat, Jordan Bober. He developed a food currency in Vancouver. It's just this new thing. So what they do is it's it's like a 
three-headed monster kind of a gig where okay. you have farmers, rep, business owners, and in the community. Okay. All three have to participate or it'll right. tip over. Yeah. So you have to approach the local businesses. Okay. And then will the farmers take payment in this weird currency? Okay. What is its value? Everyone just has to agree that it has value. Right. He's, they have some angles where there's actually an exchange for actual cash. Okay. At a certain part of it, you you have to really far, get into it. I can't. To, okay. Yeah. <laughs> at some part, at some point, sometimes it has to be there has to be a, a cash equivalent because some bills have to be paid in cash. Right. Well, federal bills all have to be paid. Right. In real money, not right. your freaking pretend money. Right. Yeah. So this fake money is locked into the community. This is the brilliant part of it. So anyone who's participating, the money's honored. So what they do is say, you approach you and say, if you would participate in this food currency, would you accept maybe, say, 10% of the bill to be paid with our fake currency? For sure. You know, and then what you can do with that currency is, there's a lot of, um, so there's actually a fourth leg, and it's, um, um, charity. Okay. So you can donate the dollars you get yeah. to charity. Yeah. <coughs> and then that helps the community. Who can buy from the farmer who accepts that currency? Yeah. Right. And also, okay. local artisans can participate, sell goods for a portion of yeah. this yeah. made up currency. Okay. And what's well, very cool. involved, there's a really nice presentation that he's done that yeah. shows how it kind of all works because there's a lot of really. St- sticky parts and yeah, funny things but anyways so me and Maurice talked to this guy about we did a little podcast together um, so they're forging ahead there in really? Vancouver oh yeah oh, they awesome. got all kinds of crazy shit going I mean they're they have huge goals it's great so they want to be the greenest city basically in the world by yep. I think 2025 yeah <clears throat> he was actually interested in the Cleveland's 2019 program the local What's it called? Sustainable Cleveland 2019. Okay. They want 25% of the food to be local by 2019. For school systems? For Cleveland. For, for, for Cleveland. Yeah. 20. That's not impossible. If mm-hmm. you look and see how many farmers who are staying strong enough by participating in either farmers markets or, or CS, C, uh, CSAs. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say CSI. <laughs> um, uh, uh, there's enough of that going on, and you still hear the stories like, oh, we want to put a farmer's market here to have access mm-hmm. to people without cars. Like, if less, if there was more accessibility to the things that you need in life in smaller pockets of the city, there would be less need for cars. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to be a gradual thing. People love their cars, but it's like if you had, you know, if you made sure that these things, and as councilmen thought, okay, what do people, eat? whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you get the answer sometimes like, well, we're running out of farms who can participate in more markets. Okay, let that fucking be the biggest problem we have. Okay. That that in our in Ohio in Ohio right. there is not enough land to build to, to build to grow food for people who are interested in eating food that is local. I really don't think we've tapped into and, and, and fund money or you know 
say that a society or a culture, a community of people who want more access to local food mm -hmm. to buy into enabling a farmer that knows what they're doing yeah. to take on a bigger plot of, bigger land, of land that is closer to the city yeah. because that's the goal is to be in the city. Mm -hmm. You know, I did this one project. I, I, first off, that makes me crazy hot excited, you know, but... Um, of course there's going to be problems, but okay. I, th yeah. I think that the young generation, like, you know, I mean, like the people, uh, when I first moved back here, my biggest fear was, and letting my city die, is that there is not any interest for the young generation who has graduated from college, why stay here? What is here? For them, the good old board network is still running the show. Mm -hmm. They're fine with the way things run because they benefit. Mm -hmm. They don't give a shit and they close their eye to the parts of their city that are yeah. dying because they're, they're just looking for the next work. thing to, to hang their hat on, whether it's the casino or whether it's Easy whatever. Money. There's the no stadium solution that's of not. This, of that. Yeah. And none of that has anything to no. do with anything no, not, I mean, sustainable right. future. Right. Well, I have this, fulfilling. Yes, I have this crazy idea that goes along with, you know, philosophy major in high school where I was thinking that we're all a dream, like we're all a dream. You exist only mm -hmm. because I think you exist. And if you didn't think I exist, you wouldn't exist for me. Well, anyway, so, so, I, I was very okay. curious this happened. Um, spent many hours thinking about, like, how you can touch something physically if you only think that it exists. But whatever. Mm -hmm. um, the entertainment world is what gets the, the, the popular money. The popular money is what people are willing to make a part of their culture and their... Oh, they cost this. Well, of course it costs that. $40 to go to a game. It's two hours. Of course it costs that. Uh, okay. Um, but people... I love sports. I really do love sports. And I love... There are many things I love about it. Uh, if that was somehow reeled in as far as, like, what those people make, da, 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 entertainment has to be, has to have a place in our society. Uh, but currently, if more attention was placed on the fact that it's a distraction, not just pure entertainment, it's a distraction <coughs> to the parts of our society that don't work. You're coming up you, with that. That was what you did in your leisure time yeah. before. Now it's yeah. taken over to the point where that is what we do. Yeah. And then, and you don't have enough money for your water is. bill. You, you, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I absolutely. Uh, I mean, as the crazy thing when I was in upstate New York, the crazy thing was that our second restaurant that we opened, um, we there was five of us, five owners. Um, we set out to open the restaurant and have it be 75% in trade. Like trade. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a small community. We need an electrician, we need a plumber, we need a painter, yeah. we need all these people who are struggling for work. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. They also need to eat. Yeah. Now, the only missing link for me, and you know, and I, I guess I think I'm this many, I'm, I'm, I have been diagnosed with severe dyslexia. So from time to time, because I can't concentrate on this mm -hmm. like the normal person, yeah. I think about like, and here is where I travel around yeah. to get entertained, okay. you know. Um, but I thought about the only missing link in the system was you cannot base that system on the people who do the work only going out to dinner. They need access to raw goods because yeah. of different cultures and how they choose to provide for their families, mm -hmm. different dietary restrictions, all these different things that those restaurants don't supply to them. 
Like, like it's not going to work unless you have all different walks of life playing into the same thing. <clears throat> yeah. So we started this down the hill farmers. We call I don't think we we'll call we we'll call it market, but in Woodstock there's all these beautiful mountain ranges, and on the sides of the mountains there's all these amazing historic farms. You know, fourth generation, there's mm-hmm. third generation. You know, two young, young lover women who are starting. They want to grow green beans because mm-hmm. the soil is perfect for whatever. Yeah. Um, in traveling all over the the mountainside, because we were, at one point we were going to move our forge and we wanted to be higher up in the mountain for the coal emission, right? Mm-hmm. I got to meet so many amazing farmers oh. who didn't have access to the bottom of the hill and yeah. the thirty restaurants that New York City people are willing to take that two-hour drive to be in the country. Yeah. Okay. They still want a sophisticated palate of yeah, food, right. you yeah. know. Um, but there was no access. The regular farmer at the bottom of the hill didn't have access to any of that food. Mm-hmm. It was being grown a mile up the hill. Now, of course, they had access because they could drive a mile up the hill, mm-hmm. but they never thought upon that it was their job to go create that relationship. Right, right. Well, I'm a little bit out there. I'm not exactly an extroverted person. <laughs> you know, I'm not very subtle. So... I just started stopping and talking to farmers who yeah. wouldn't pull a shot. Actually, they would pull a shotgun. Some of them yeah. did, and I was like, okay, right, just, right. we're good, we're good. I just want to talk to you. <laughs> I have anything to sell, you know, right. and like, we're good, and you'll tell me to go away in two minutes if I haven't convinced you to listen more. But right. we essentially started a system where uh, it started with restaurants, and a restaurant would buy into the system mm-hmm. by buying, I think at the time it was 25 or 30 crates, right? We needed enough crates that every farmer that was participating could have enough on their farm that were empty and usable, and then every restaurant could have enough on their farm where they received their order in them, Mm -hmm. and then when they would empty them, they would sit over near the garbage area, and they'd be over there. So as a restaurant, to become a member of the cooperative, if you will, um, they needed to, based on their estimated value of purchase, buy that many crates okay. so that they don't get anything for that but at the same time at the end of the thing they would give their crates back the people would give them their money back yeah. all good um and uh, what was it that they would invest in oh there was another opportunity to invest in when a small farmer like our green bean ladies knew that uh, we ran a regular database, my accountant. I subsidized her, uh, her employment by adding, helping run this business to yeah. us because it was easiest. Farmers don't want to run the financials for a business. They uh-huh. just want to know it works. But um, what Holly would do was farmers, she would either call them or they would call her and let know what is going to be available this week probably mm-hmm. and how much. Yeah. And then, then the orders could go through Holly and Holly would put the orders through to them so they could pack the orders. Well, every farmer who had a driver's license took turns coming down the hill. So we call it down-the-hill farming, right? And, you know, it's like you only delivered every once, every two and a half, Mm -hmm. every two, I think every six weeks. No, six, eight, It's funny because we do the exact opposite in our CSA. So at our location, our pickup point is in Strongsville Mm -hmm. from the farm that's in Apple Creek. There's 12 members, there's 12 families, so every 12 weeks, you drive. Oh, that's awesome. So every three months, I drive to Apple Creek. That's awesome. Big deal. That's awesome. You know? That's awesome. And that's and then we just take it to this yeah, house in Strongsville. It, you have their garage code. You open it up. They've got a freezer oh, and awesome. a refrigerator in there. We pick up our meats are all frozen, produce is fresh, and the milk, you know, dairy. So we're in, we're in yeah. actual um, herd share, so we get yeah. raw milk. 
raw dairy. Bags of it? Is it bags? It's they put it in regular milk jugs. Okay. I'm trying to get them to get off the milk jugs because yeah. they charge us fifty cents for oh, a plastic wow. jug. Wow. And they said that's what they're paying. They're just passing it along because they can't buy in, in bulk. And they can't buy enough, I guess, to get. I mean. I can buy them filled with water for 50 cents. <laughs> you know, yeah, no, exactly. So, but anyways, there's a few quirky yeah. things, um, but having access to that for well, us has been also, amazing. Well, and also, what we ended up doing was there were farmers who, even after all of that, because they were only selling green beans, uh, they weren't really making enough money to every however many weeks. And it's like, as the word got out, more farmers would want to participate. Mm-hmm. We, in the end, had two routes. One went down this side of the mountain, mm-hmm. one went down this side of the mountain, That's right? really cool. It was awesome. And the other way that people could participate was um, when, you know, Lucy and Muffin came to me and said, Hey, you know what? Even though we only deliver this every this many weeks, we're still not completely making enough money to spend the day doing that by only selling green beans like can you tell us what are the chefs asking for yeah what else can they do right? yeah so we started something called the chef's round table where we would meet every month and say what products are you still getting from the city what products what add value products can they do mm-hmm. where if they go back if they grew too much of this you know hey dude you saw martinis and bloody marys mm-hmm. if she did pickled green beans would you also buy those yeah. you know because she you know i mean that's yeah. The community. Yeah, exactly. And they this is the way it used others. to work. This, yes. is, this is old this community. Is the way this is, and they knew each other. People knew currency. each other. Yes. And when a farmer, yeah. you know, when a farmer that broke his leg one day, and it was like all the chefs showed up during harvest to help make sure that no green bean got left on the stock. Yeah, because it was like... And the other thing was is that when, you know, Lucy and the Honey came to me and said, not only did, the, did we need to raise enough money to put a jellying stove in their in their in their barn because they want to also do jellies at add value um what they also want to do is they want to get into chickens because the farm fresh eggs we had one farmer who did that um but they needed the money to not only build the the, the hoop, coops but yeah. they also needed the money to buy all the chickens mm-hmm. and we came up with okay what will start it and then the tribe which what they call the tribe was the chickens will perpetuate itself mm-hmm. you know every spring of course you're going to need to get new chickens but it's like you know it, it will somehow let right so we came up with a, this much money that we needed now anybody that donated and we think we figured out it was like if you donated $500 for the cause mm-hmm. then your eggs for the first six months were half price if you donated $1,000 for the cause your eggs for six yeah. months were free it's just like a kickstarter program yes. have you ever heard of kickstarter yes yeah so yeah. you start a business and you fund it online and in return the person gets a reward we do that if now. you're making music you get a free CD yes. give us 10 bucks <laughs> yeah. you get a free yeah. CD yeah. give us 100 you yes. get that in a Exactly. I mean I do so, that now with my farmers. You tell me you need something mm-hmm. and I trust you and I know that in season you're gonna sell me blueberries before you even go to market mm-hmm. because you need that money right now and yeah. your customers in Shaper Square sure as fuck aren't writing you a check. Yeah. I'm gonna give you that money because it's what I can afford in the day. Mm-hmm. So I mean you know I wanna get to that. That'd be cool to get back you should get yeah. Back to that here, and maybe incorporate this a new food economy, a food currency yeah. Yeah. that everyone would have to agree on. Yeah, um, and add, mix that in. I agree. And then what will happen is everyone can start at a really low percentage, but right. if it turns out beneficial, the percentage could climb. You could maybe even take fifty percent of a bill. Yeah. In this 
some I, carrots. No, I love it. I think, you know, when Trevor came to me, uh, Trevor Clatterbuck, and said that this is what I wanted to do, I explained to him the model that I came up with for Down the Hill Produce, and which inevitably ended up having its own farmer's market. Whatever the restaurants didn't purchase, every Saturday we had a farmer's market. <coughs> That's and great. Every bit of it was used. Yeah. Every bit of it was used. And then inevitably we had one restaurant would change locations every month maybe every two weeks but whatever produce was left over every Wednesday we made soup and people who didn't have money could come and have a bowl of soup and Mm -hmm. people with money could have a bowl of soup the money would go back into farmers what they needed Mm -hmm. you know what I mean but uh, the soup would change every week because it's like oh we have yeah if you add in that extra element of the the least amongst you, like the community with no food access, that's the that, that's the most important critical part. Is that it has to encompass everyone, you know? Yeah. Like I said from the like and your feel better. Right, from the forty-five year old yoga pant, Lexus driving right. woman to right. the kid who doesn't have food. Yep. And they have to all be a part of the system. Yeah. And what you have to what I've been thinking about a lot lately is. Most of the people that are involved in this food thing are left, center, left. Okay, they're not right-wing economics people, right? right? Yeah. And yet, as soon as they want to do a food access project, they do trickle-down economics. Oh, for sure. Because they focus. It's what we know. Who has money? It's what we know. Who has money? So here's what we'll do. It's what we know. We're going to attract all these women and um, and their their money. Exactly. And it's going to funnel down. To the people at the bottom. Well, wait a minute. No. If you you're already decided right. that this that that's bad and evil, right? And it doesn't work. I don't associate then with Then why your push it into your yeah. food access yes. initiative? Yeah. Okay. You someone's got to rethink the whole thing. Yeah. So far, the best I've seen is what this Jordan Boger has come up with. Right. And that his Dunbar Dollar yeah. initiative. So because it doesn't. It removes that. It does use small businesses. Right, because you don't need as much. You don't need startup cash. Yeah. 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 And everyone works with what they have. For sure. And some have more, and they can contribute more. Some don't. Some have labor. Some have. Well, and that's exactly right. If it gets me to participate, that'd be a miracle because I don't give a (laughs) shit. <laughs> yeah, come Look, on. I'm worried about trying to feed my three. No, you I do give my a CSA shit. And I know I'm that happy. sounds really good. <coughs> I know. Well, you know. You, you've been disillusioned by the solution to a problem that ha- seems so obvious that because as a father, your number one care is the care of your family, mm-hmm. you know, you I'm sure have experienced enough in life and especially going by coastal that you know, people spin their wheels and say that they want to be about this energy or this project. When it gets a little bit hard, people mm-hmm. throw in the towels and it becomes disillusioned and, and you spent energy pouring it into a project mm-hmm. of strangers, not knowing that they were going to throw in the towel when it got hard, Tough. right? Yeah. And then you have to say, I gave away my time and energy to something other than my family mm-hmm. and I didn't know you were going to throw in the towel so soon in. Yeah. So, of course, over time that makes it a little bit like, well, come on. I mean, show me something like like you're really there, but I just think again, Milan Kundera talked all about, uh, um, you know, when people are hurting on such a. Uh, he talks about it in dermis, like which I, for me, I, I understand. I get it. It just it ranks true to me. But you know, when people feel pain and loss, 
but they feel like they need to put on a good face to hold together what people have come accustomed to count on you for things. Your dad, you're going to cook food, you're going to love them, mm -hmm. you provide safety and inspiration and a way of being a man and all these things. So, you know, you feel a unique pain and disappointment on a level below your skin, not quite to your heart, you know mm -hmm. what I mean, but a level there. It, uh, you think if you would come from that place where you're like, I'd really rather not have that in my life and I want to, there's a solution to coming back on the other side and counting on myself for the solution. Um, you effectively affect more people than you know who have that exact same thing but have put on a good phrase regardless of why. They're vain. They're the breadwinner. They're whatever it is. Uh, we've gotten so used yeah. to like having an armor that people are okay with looking yeah. at, yeah. and 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 it's it's a it's a I think it has the potential for depleting one's soul and yeah. taking you to a place yeah. where you don't even recognize yourself. Yeah, there's this you know the myth of this rugged individualism thing where people go out on their own and um, build entire yep. fortunes and cities, and it's yeah. all a myth. Yeah. It's just lies yeah um and things are done in collectives yeah and anyways that's yeah this is the way things are real really yeah. done um man on an island you know it's no good it's right. gonna have your community is the thing and i don't really like people um, so this is really difficult for me like <clears throat> as soon as i get three people in a room two of them I don't like and none might be one of them like I don't I have I no friends like people. I, come I, on I've this many friends in the whole world you know, I think people who know everything just, you think is the bad part of you do they what's that are your unique friends the ones that you have ex tried to explain like you try to scare people away by saying this is the bad part about me or this um, is the my best friends are just is more of just because they knew me since I was five years old. I've met no new friends except Maurice and Brian Doyle. That's the only two adult friends that I have that yeah. I didn't know. Really? I don't have any. Yeah. I've got no. You can look through my whole phone. There's yeah. 300 contacts in there, and ask that person if they're my. Friend, and if right. they met me after I was 18 years old, they're going to say no. And did you, do you think that to a certain extent, uh, there is, you know, I, it's like for me, I tell my grandfather it's like this tortoise shell because there was probably seven years of my life after this crazy bad thing happened where it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I lived in like a turner I had this turtle yeah. shell, you can't get through it. Sure. Unless you stepped on it like yeah, right, right. building on me. But um, I would, I never owned more than what, I mean, like at one point I said, I put all my antiques in a storage bin. At some point I may get them back. Mm -hmm. But I never owned more than I would put, I could fit in my Chevy Malibu. Mm -hmm. And um, if somebody were to say, oh, I just love you, I would pack in the middle of the night and be gone the next day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Be like, don't get sick with me man like yeah. I will I will sleep with you I think you're really cool it's all good we got this great mm -hmm. thing happening but if you say the word love which I truly don't believe that is you probably want something more from me huh. wow. uh, I think we should probably not go there wow. so yeah I, I can love understand I never came <laughs> yeah. I'm not that I don't have that yeah. in there so there we go for I, me, I just, made you feel bothered yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely uh -huh. I, man yeah I'm, I'm 
gone. Gone with the wind. Not yeah. to return phone calls I'm all put together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a high-functioning yeah, exactly. individual. You're like, I'm good. I'm solid. <laughs> no, I think there was, like, many Christmases where my parents would feel happy that they knew that I was alive in some place. But I was pretty vague for a long time just because I was out trying to figure out... Um, like what is the I was big on like what's the point what yeah. is the point like yeah. we have these fleeting experiences and, and you gain knowledge that add to you as a person but how do how do I share with what is some meaningful to me with somebody like you and we now are connected on some level and isn't that the point of being human mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. being on this planet by ourselves is yeah. that we have these connections that perpetually like take us further higher mm-hmm. and you know stronger yeah. um but because i was convinced that that might not actually exist um i needed to make myself ultimately alone yeah, to make right. sure okay. that i get it it's like no Maybe it just took a certain amount of time yeah and effort to get back out of there yeah well i honestly it was i had to understand going through survival training uh being dumped in the middle of the woods with a perfect stranger and um that did it. Really? Yeah. Wow. I was on my way to dig latrines and give immunization shots at the Dominican Republic um, because our government pulled their support for Amigas de las Americanas, which is the group that goes in before the Peace Port goes into a community okay. and gets them to understand that this is not an ethnocentric move. This is here mm-hmm. to help develop things that your city or co- your community don't have. Mm-hmm. We would go in first and take a lot of abuse because people didn't want us there. Okay. And... Um, teach kids how to brush their teeth and, uh-huh. and take the abuse but understand come from a place where it's like uh, we want to help you and there's going to be spots where you're going to say fuck you, you don't, we don't think that's important cool got it uh-huh. so we had to go through all this training and part of it was survival training and there weren't any other women in the group which was surprising to me but um, for me it became somewhat of an addiction because if you if you're that person who thinks ultimately on this planet I'm alone and nobody's going to understand me I'm cool with that Right, and you dropped into the middle of nowhere with a perfect stranger, and you think you know what you're made of, but now you have to deal with I have no idea where I am, I have nothing to eat, yeah. the person I'm counting on is somebody I don't know. Right, uh, okay, and mm. and we need to get back to point B. All right, wow. you know, it's like I became addicted to the survival training because it's like wow. you just you believe at the end of the day you're so much stronger than you thought you ever knew. Yeah. That you know what? What's the one thing I truly don't believe exists is like love between two people. Yeah. Okay, if that's out of fear and I can do this, I'm strong enough to give it a go. Huh. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty wild. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. There you have it. You're now. like, oh, I'm not doing that. Maurice, what the fuck did you yeah, say? Right? Is like, who is she? I can't yeah. wait to have my, my poor dad, with him. right? No, yeah. People say, so like, they have to deal yeah. with this every day. Every huh? day. Tell me, yeah, he's like, oh. They must love it when you go on vacation, if you do. (laughs) Like today, I came in, what, 3 o'clock, and Ben's like, oh, okay, good, Hub. And I walk in, in a seat, and having to make mac and cheese and run out the door. (laughs) Yeah. I had to tell them that on the way back here, I was in a hurry, got stopped to get a ticket, and I'm on that... You get another ticket, you go to jail thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So wow. after I'm done with today, I have to go report and uh, they'll decide what they want to do. <laughs> it hurts me to go to the speed limit. Have you ever honestly gone through the day, the entire day, going to the speed limit? Me? Tom- I'm a, yeah, I'm one of those guys. You are? Yep. You are. I drive. I've historically driven 
old, crappy Swedish vehicles, okay. right? They barely speed, so it's been easy for me. Meaning it's not possible for them to speed. Right. See? And I just got used to driving that way. So I grew up repairing and driving old Volvos. Okay. So what would happen is they're just slow. And so I just grew so up driving slow. You were never velocitized. No, I just grew up slow. Uh, well, I, when I wanted to go fast, I'd just jump on my dirt bike and go in the woods. I'd go as fast mm, as I wanted. Okay. And so when you're in a when you're But in when a I'm car. in a car, I am it's very utilitarian. Oh my god. Yeah, just I'm completely utilitarian. I've got the kids cinched oh, oh, down well, like okay. I got the kids no before the kids even. You know, I've got everything <laughs> dialed in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I know. No, I understand. Though. I know. Those you got a need for speed. Well, I do. And I was telling Ben, I'm out there back over. I call Ben. I'm like, "Are you sitting by yourself?" He's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Okay. Well, don't tell Brian what's going on right now because the police had not decided whether or not they were letting me go. Really? Because on the screen it says oh off to jail, you know. And I told him, I'm like, I'm going to get myself uh, out of this, but don't tell him yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm not completely out of it yet. Wow. And then I and 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 then I. I said, I told the guy, I promise, I was like, can I just go, and I have a wedding cake to do, and I have this, I have this meeting to do, and I'm already late, and I said, I promise when I'm done, I will come to the police headquarters, and you guys can do with me what you want, but, um, but he said, if you get stopped speeding on yeah. the way from this spot to your restaurant, there are going to be no questions asked, you will be in jail, wow. and I was like, it just hurt for me, I called him, and I was like, I feel, have, like, I feel so many pain. points or something. Is that what that is? Connecting the dots. Yeah. I, 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 I,
love Twitter and stuff. Yeah. And I use my phone. Yeah. Well, it got to the point where I couldn't read it anymore. Literally couldn't see it. That's why I couldn't I read right it now. at all. Yeah. And then um, I got in the kombucha and I got my eyesight back. Like, I can read my computer. Now, I don't have the glasses. They're gone. Oh, my God. And I can read at any hour of the day or night. Doctors don't know what to tell me now. They have so many eye uh, appointments, and they're like, Heather, you should be able to see. Yeah. But I can't. I had it running with some hot oil early in the spring okay. that burnt layers of my eye oh, okay. and did all the... You like, might be able to fix it with this. There's a technique called hormesis. Hormesis is um, this idea of you slowly stress the body and it makes yeah. it stronger. And you can do this with your eyes. What you do is wear opposite prescriptions for what you need. Okay. So if the doctor says, you need plus two, you do a negative two. No way. And just for a limited amount of time, and you do it as an exercise, it's literally like working yeah. out. And you're going to read that painting, or you're going to read this written thing with backwards prescription. I like it. Do it for a little bit of time. Yeah. You take it off and do your normal gig. That's called hormesis. It works with your eyes. It works with... Um, um, I like that. They, people do intermittent fasting. When you get yes. your body really tuned in, yeah. tuned up, and you're that yeah. adapted what I explained earlier you can do what's called intermittent fasting and you stress your body this goes back to the caveman days when they know for a fact that people really didn't need to eat for a long period of time yeah when food would run out what do you do you gotta go hunting right. and you don't have any fuel your body can handle it no problem yeah it just uses the fuel that's right. in you yeah so anyways they, people use this intermittent fasting technique where you just wake up and it has to be random and you'll go ahead and cook. That's a big part of it sometimes. You get excited about eating. It gets everything going. Right. And I'll feed my whole family and then I won't eat. And I'm hungry and I don't eat. For and how long? Eight hours, 12 hours, a whole day. It depends on what you're capable of. But one saver is mixing in the bulletproof coffee. So if you just do that, oh, then you can skip okay. a meal easier. Yeah. But there's all kinds of ways to do that. But anyways, huh. it's this idea of hormesis. Yeah. Um, one of them is a cold shower. So you take your regular shower and then turn off the hot water. I, I, I do that. And just stand there. Yeah. <clears throat> as long as you can take it and as cold as you can make it. Yeah. And then that'll actually do like a hard reset on your body. Yeah. You, you, it's, it's, yeah. It's stress, but it's yeah. not damaging stress. Right. And people have all kinds of crazy claims for what that will do for you I know it sounds crazy but because I'm an insomniac and uh, yesterday while this started happening was I had, three days in a row I didn't sleep mm -hmm. and I know that your brain produces a chemical after so many hours that's very euphoric but it's actually chipping away at brain cells when you make that and yeah, you can't go that long without sleep no, that's not good no not good yeah, and a lot of times mind. for me I can't fall asleep at that point because that's when I'm most concerned mm -hmm. about that I pour out whatever it is that creatively on every level I need to so I need to draw I need to play guitar I need mm -hmm. to like I need to do all, I need to cook like I need to let all these things out wow. because my body's in its extreme pain and void mm -hmm. but it's also the purest it can be but you can but you want to 
produce. I want to produce from that moment. I want everything to go away, and I don't want to make anything happen. I need to. And so then, perpetually, because of what's coming out, I get so excited and happy that I want to go further. And even though on a physical level, I know I need to rest, I'm too exhilarated. It's terrible for your health, though. Your weight. It's really. Throw your hormones off so bad that no matter what your diet you're on, you're gonna fail because it, your hormones will allow your body, yeah. your set point to lower. Yeah. Wow. But it is such a euphoric place to be, and you know, I find that my troubled relationships, when I'm in that moment, I don't have the ability to hold back the bullshit. What I should say, what I need to say, what I've said before, it's all so very raw that it's just it's my truth Mm -hmm. and let's instead of belaboring the point and wondering if two months from now we're supposed to be together or friends or whatever like in that moment for me Mm -hmm. the reality is so perfectly clear very clear and you know and the people that I'm invested in in going through that moment with um you know, typically are people who are open to the fact it's like, I'm not here to hurt you, yeah. but I really cannot tolerate a layer of bullshit crap mm-hmm. lies. Like, go ahead and feel free. And, like, if somebody's fearful of going to that place with me, I can mm-hmm. hear that. Yeah. But then I just know that it's like, I have to tell you something that will draw you out and know that I'm not full of shit and this is vulnerable for mm-hmm. me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then that perpetually, it's like, it's like this exciting you know, 12 hours or my poor staff. It's like, okay, we need to become close right now. <laughs> you know, like, oh my God. Oh, wow. And with you. like, oh no. But I mean, also again, it's like, I'll know really quickly whether or not they're going to last, you know. Yeah, they right. have to do with, I'm the common denominator. It's like, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. So if that's too free, So you need to attract hours. people that are going to fulfill you fun, and your mission and your, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah or they're just entertained by you <laughs> yeah they, I mean I think half of them are entertained by me I know that um, at least I make them think and yeah. that's okay too and they're learning yeah and I don't I don't I don't judge them for that you know hmm. yeah do you think this is possible going forward more places like this more local farms <sighs> Is this going to work? Yes. I think that Cleveland, I am so excited about the younger generation. And, I, you know, it's like at the end of this, like, if I, I'm not... I won't, I'm not certain if we accomplished I think we had a great conversation I don't know if we accomplished what you set out to do but at the same time I, I never have a problem talking about local food if you re-listen to it and you're like whoa that was all over the place I can get I get that um, well it's the first time we ever met yeah and I don't have see that was just an idea I had yeah a local food no. yeah Maybe next time we know each other now, For we sure. can more focus on it. Yeah. I didn't even have a single question. Cool. Specific. I right. just wanted to let you talk. And yeah. Just discover. Cool. So, that's cool. Maybe sometime down the road we can get to it again, but more focused. Call me. If you get in the car, you're like, uh, she's a freak. I understand that too. But, no, it's nice to talk to you. And I I honestly think that the young, the younger generation that are devoted to staying in Cleveland are the ones that are not going to tolerate the good old boy network. They're not necessarily taken to a, sport, a part where they, they are fearful of it, which I know that when I was trying to stay in Cleveland, I was fearful of having that network of people ruin my possibilities, that if I didn't somehow become 
homogenize enough to fit into it that that was going to be the end of everything. Mm -hmm. But I don't fear that anymore, mm -hmm. and uh, now I support the young people who see such promise in doing things yeah. right. <laughs> and I, I think cool. now my job as a peer in the community that, yeah, I'm a, oh, I am who I am. Um, it's my job now to inspire them and, and convince them that they're strong enough, mm -hmm. you know, and those are great ideas, and do it. Or or start a group where it's like, guys, here's my idea, and, 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 and hug together enough mm -hmm. people who are similarly inspired and say, we, let's do something, you know? That's great. Yeah, so I, I, have, I wouldn't be here at this point struggling to keep the restaurant open yeah. and... and uh, yeah, I mean, so, as a business owner, before the Food Network, Network came, we struggled for, I went without a paycheck for nine months, and when word got out to my staff that that had happened, uh, my business partners came to me every payroll and said, we have to shut down. Yeah. Right around that same time, I had figured out that my staff knew exactly how many hours a week they needed to pay their bills, uh -huh. and that's how many hours they clocked in for. Now, what owner in the world oh, has that right, right. because they needed this place to succeed they oh. believed in it so much wow. so I said at that point I will <clears> not <throat> let this place fail and <clears throat> I will do what I need to do to keep it and so it's been that tough wow. yeah okay. it has tough moments mm -hmm. you know and um, but the, the, we we get through we just get through it mm -hmm. you know we've been lucky to have coverage on the Food Network twice um, but I also don't think that that was a mistake I think that that's because people are attracted to people who are doing what they love mm -hmm. and what rings true to a group of people. Mm -hmm. And I think that even as being a diner in, the, diner in the restaurant, they see what we call the dance, the staff working together as uh -huh. a team, right. the food coming out, you know, full, the plate of full love. And like, I think people absorb every bit of what we do when they walk in the door and they become addicted to it. Yeah. And that's what they want. And we want to reset the standard of what people expect from their dining experience. That's cool. So, uh, you know, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll get back together again and cover all that, that aspect again. More yeah. with the farm and the people and the, the business, how it can work. Yeah. And what you've learned or whatever. Cool. Oh, man, that'd be great. Yeah. Oh, this was awesome. Yeah. And you have my cell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, anytime, anytime, honestly. You know, things that get a little bit nutty around here, but it's like, even if it was a day and you're like, how did I have an hour later? You bet, you, you're good. Um, yeah, that's all well, good. It looks like I'm going to be around more often now. I'm kind of not being a hermit as much. So good, I'll stay in touch and yeah. look up something. Yeah, maybe you'll be able to add to that list of, you know, friends on one one hand. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> maybe. No. Maybe. You know. Well, thanks yeah. for your time. Absolutely, sweetie. And, um, yeah, absolutely. Next time, my goal is going to be to get you to try something. 